Bless up for tuning in to Project Cheney. Magic happens when you question everything. Conspirituality becomes reality, weirdness is welcomed, and it's okay to change your mind. Big up yourself. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Project Cheney. As always, I am your host, Chaney. This episode is an interesting episode. This is actually um, the second time that I've done the intro and I finished. I put the whole entire thing to bed. I was about to upload it and I was replaying what I said and I just felt like it wasn't responsible enough and um, you know I think I was trying to think of what the title was going to be and I went over a bunch of little quippy things in my head and uh, then I was like saving the episode and making sure it was all locked down and I was like I think this episode is saved it took a long time to like get out it was a little going back and forth. Um, I think when you listen to how heavy the subject matter is, you'll see that it was just fragile a little bit and it deserved to be fragile a little bit. And I needed to be a little more fragile with the intro, I guess. So I was thinking of how I would explain somebody's faith to somebody who doesn't have faith, why somebody might need something in the darkest times of their life, um, why it might be really important to not feel alone and feel like there was an energy caring for you always, even before your soul's conception. I've heard a lot of these stories in my lifetime of Jesus walking with people and uh, Megan's is definitely one of those stories. So I'm really lucky um, to have Megan on this episode. She's somebody in like the hard year of 2021, like 2020, 2021, both these years now, uh, where we're all kind of trapped in our states and in our houses and in our hamster wheels and with our black mirrors looking out into the world. And I was a person, you know, I've been married a long time, so I didn't ever uh, internet date. I didn't make internet friends. I'm lucky enough. I have like pretty great people around me of that I've got to meet in the flesh and blood and uh like with a lot of face and a lot of um, rituals and a lot of magic and a lot of other things I've kind of brushed off and thought were silly. I thought the idea of an internet friend was silly. Like the idea of really um, getting to know someone on a next level basis that you would consider them a friend and maybe where these internet friends knew you in ways that your flesh and blood friends didn't. And 
I'm also in this other microcosm of the world, which isn't such a microcosm of podcasting. And Megan's a woman in podcasting. And in our world, you know, it's a dude's world, talking about conspiracies and um, putting our opinion out there. Uh, it's getting more and more women, but it's still a very uh, male-dominated field. And Megan, uh, her voice in her show, Truezilla, that she does with Scott, you can listen to that episode. It's my second episode. And Ed, uh, it is a future episode that is in the books. Um they are like three people that they have this thread that runs through them of truth and just fighting for something light and something good. And they all three have very different paths. And, um, you know, you can hear Scott's on episode two, but Megan's path is quite different. And she, her story is a truth monster all its own. And parts of it are hard to listen to. And they're hard to listen to a stranger talk about it. And it's hard to listen to this strong podcast host talk about it. And it's hard to listen to a mom talk about it. And it's hard to listen to my internet friend talk about it. Uh, but... I'm, I feel like she does a really great job of putting into words what I find hard to. Um, I've been blessed enough to get to grow up through Christianity, and uh, my logic has led me down so many other religious paths, and I think there's a real beauty in all of them. And I, what is it, omnism, where I believe... Uh, that my way to God is by finding a little piece of him in every school of thought. And I, because I grew up Christian, it was the easiest for me to find all the fallacies with first and all the evils with first and coming back around on my journey and really being surprised. Um, and mine and Megan's conversations uh, that she called herself a Jesus girl one day because I thought like, oh, she's total tarot oracle crystal girl. There's no way she's Jesus girl. Um, so when she brought this up to me uh, in a conversation, I knew like I put it on my I etched it into the etch a sketch of my brain of if I ever have a podcast and if I ever interview Megan, I have to ask her what this Jesus girl, like I felt that in life for sure before. Um, and maybe everybody has when somebody mocks your faith and you know, faith is one of those things that if you've never had it, uh, it's very easy to mock, but it's also very, very easy to be jealous of. Um, yeah, you guys can find Drewzilla everywhere. I asked Megan to plug it at the end and she doesn't. I will put it everywhere in the show notes. But I really thoroughly hope you enjoy this episode. I did. And uh, yeah, take a listen. Monster. The green monster. Okay, so... Um, 
let's see what else. have you started recording yeah Not but yet. this is all i do this is how i introduce okay. my show i I, okay, just, okay. <laughs> I just say hey megan welcome to project cheney <laughs> hi cheney <laughs> oh, welcome welcome how are you i'm well how are you today i am doing pretty fantastic pretty fantastic I'm and i'm glad you're here i'm glad to be here i'm glad to talk to you finally I know it did. It's um, you are a hard person to uh, iron down for a call. I I am so sorry. It's true. It's I hide from my phone and <laughs> it's pretty bad. I hide for I have all my messages, my uh, notifications on all of my forms of communication always turned off, and I just check one kind of consistently. It's pretty. Oh, the ugly dark truth is coming out right from the get go. Right. I think it's pretty fantastic <laughs> that you stay away from all that stuff it's it's more just because i want to like filter what i am exposed to so i'm just i just want to real quick check instagram i'm just going to post these two really fire memes and then i'm logging off like immediately so that's awesome um, though that you have that willpower yeah i mean i think i've just turned into a bit of a hermit throughout all of the new world order perhaps or so, you know what i mean it's <laughs> it's so it's so dark anything that you see anywhere i'm just like uh and i don't know but yeah anyway when my phone starts ringing if if accidentally it gets turned on, the ringer accidentally gets turned on, I'm just like, this person doesn't know me very well because whoever loves me or knows me well knows not to call my phone because it's like, I think I have a voicemail from way back that's still set up and it says, hi, you've reached, you know, my phone number and I never check my voicemail. If you've called this number, you don't know me very well. You can reach me on Facebook Messenger. If you can't, it's because you don't know me well enough. So have a good day. <laughs> I always admire when I call somebody's phone and they're like, you've reached the voice mailbox number of, it's full. And I'm like, yeah. oh, damn. Like they just cut it off. They're like, I'm never checking it again. Sorry. Yeah. Mine always is. Sometimes I get like a relative that will call me like, the vet is trying to reach you and I think I'm their emergency contact, but they've been trying to call your phone and your voicemail's full for the last three years. Oh, all right, right. So yeah. I have an OCD. I have to get rid of everything out of my messages automatically, but my voicemail box, I think it just is uh, Lionel Richie. Hello, is it me you're looking for? And then it's just yes. right to my message. <laughs> I, don't, I don't say like, thanks for calling Cheney, leave a message. I don't do any of that. I like that. I like that. Very nice. I'm going to have to adopt something new. And I know there's a way to make it so that you like play your message and then it won't even let someone record a message, which... I mean, honestly, that seems like the easier path. Why give people hope? <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to wait for that long beep and get, I think like my voice mailbox probably holds like 20 messages. So some lucky 20 got in there under the wire. <laughs> you just want a little bit of honesty at this point. You're like, why give people hope? Why even? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's so, and then like people are like, well, what's your email address? I'm like, ah, this is not going to look good either. But I have one email that literally I got some kind of notification from Google that said that it's full because I never, I mean, it's like, there's tens of thousands of emails in there. I don't know. I've had it for how, how many years? I don't, listen, I, I have can't. Facebook mess. I have Facebook messenger. There's no reason at all for anyone to ever write anything to me. <laughs> email I can't. Like if I looked at your phone and I looked at your email, does it say like 10,428 by your email? Like, is there a red number that is it's, It keeps telling me that my, it keeps telling me that I need to buy space because my email is full. 
which I'm not obviously going to do because I didn't want to check it to get that full to begin with. And so then I started a new one because I'm like, well, maybe I'll use it for just like podcast stuff and like, you know, a cup like something relevant that I must use it for. Um, but then like, well, you know, because I was like, did you send the link over for this training? Because I'm in my email. I'm not sure to how to navigate this treacherous world. So it's, I'm pretty technologically, technologically backward. Um, <laughs> your email is like Mary Poppins purse. <laughs> it's like, you can reach in and you're like pulling a lamp out. And... It's crazy. This Like with, if I, you know, you go to this thing, like if you sign up with your email, you're going to get a, a, please don't make me give you my email address. And so now I just give people the one that I know for sure is full and nothing else can get in there. <laughs> it's like your hoarder shed email. <laughs> it like totally it's so has. True. It's awful. So yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm, all that to say it's, uh, not the easiest always to get in touch with me, but you know, uh, well, here you are now. I'm glad about yeah, it. I I'm glad <laughs> too. The first question that I've been usually going with, with people, um, which seems loaded. I like that paranoid American was just like, um, whoa, you're like, got to start with the easy questions. Um, who or what is God to you right now? Who or what is God? <laughs> that is the loaded question. question man alive well I mean so this is like the most complicated and simplest answer in the world for me I think man Cheney you said to me one time was um in the world of conspiracy that sometimes you get flat because you're the Jesus girl yeah and I didn't, I was like, huh, that's like a good topic for me to bring up on a podcast because I think oh, in the world of conspiracy, there might be a lot of Jesus girls and gals. And um, I want to know what that means. <laughs> so I think, so for me, um, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that like for me, that's, he's it. So I say I'm the Jesus girl because I feel like, I, I mean, with with frank honesty, I have had a circle of friends, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> here in town that um, are, you know, we, we all have mutual friends, but I guess that they felt that at times there's been things that I've said on the podcast or truths that I've said about like how, you know, like in particular, like how, um, you know, like biologically how things run with human beings that I've gotten that it's, you know, how would your Jesus feel about you, you know, hating, you know, people who are, you know, identify, you know, this way or, you know, transgender, gay and lesbian community, like that's been like, I've lost friends over this. Um, and then I have, you know, friends from all, you know, walks of life and all different beliefs who, you know, like most of my friends don't believe what I believe. And that's, I think, kind of the beautiful thing about humanity. But um, I feel like, yeah, there's been like speaking my truth and speaking truths in the podcast world. It's got, I guess I sort of went, went off the rails on that. So let me back up. Jesus girl. <laughs> uh, how, 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 do, how, else, uh, how else do I define that? I just... Uh, he works miracles in my life. I feel like. Um, when were you saved? Yeah. When? When? When I was 19. How? 19. Like what's the whole story if you want to talk about it? That's, and that's such a cool question because um, 
I haven't been asked that question in many years, Chaney. So I always grew up in a family that talked about God and like we prayed and we went to Sunday school sometimes and, uh, you know, but like, it wasn't like super consistent. And I think too, I feel like, you know, I feel like that the soul often will recognize higher power. I mean, that's how I feel, but you know, we operate in the world based on how we perceive things, right? We see the world as we are, even though we try to expand our view. That's, that's how, that's a basis of how we see things. Um, but I grew up in kind of like, you know, probably like a lot of people, you know, fucked up environment and a lot of abuse, you know, terrible abuse between my parents and, you know, all those kind of things. And so there wasn't like a lot of consistency, but always there was like across throughout all my family, there was the whole, like we pray at dinner time, you know, Jesus is the son of God. I didn't really have an understanding of what it meant. Like nobody ever talked to me about, like there's, there's the conversations that happen about Jesus in church. And there's like the truth of like human growth and where you actually have like soul connections to your maker. There are transformations within the soul and the human spirit, you know, and I often term it like open-hearted, open-minded, having discernment, being in touch with your spirituality. I mean, there's a lot of ways that I talk about that, but as a child, I didn't identify with any of that, you know, and so God was really just kind of like an abstract concept to me, like, you know, um, and then when I was 18, I met the man that I married and was married to for 12 years. Um, to this day, probably the best man I've ever known. He is, I think, the man that set the bar for other men as to what it means to love and what it means to honor and what it means to have sacrificial or what I would say, like, you know, selfless love, agape love for his family, for others not putting himself first and also being a dignified human. Um, but anyways, again, I get off the rails. Uh, I like it. <laughs> he was uh, a godly man. I will say that in that way when we met. And so I was sort of familiar with, you know, his, I'm going to say in a silly way, his church going ways, his family and church every Sunday and all that. And that was all cute and fine. And, you know, it wasn't personal for me. I, it was personal for them. And then I started like hanging around him and seeing that something was different about him, the way that he kind of would glow from within, the way he handled people, the way he carried himself. And the longer I knew him, the more I, and I came to discover that he was always into this day, the same person publicly, privately, and personally. And his parents did a really beautiful job, you know, setting standards in place for him and, and showing him good paths and giving him good opportunities. But he also did a lot of that work himself. You know, I mean, we're all self-made, whoever we end up being, right? So uh, anyways, it was seeing him and kind of how he just interacted in his world. And I wanted to know what that was that he had. What what was different about the, about this light that he had. And I just could perceive it on him. And so I asked my grandparents, actually, who I was very, very close to, to take me to church uh, here in Eugene, Oregon at the time, actually. So now we're talking, you know, what, 
20 some odd years ago. First Baptist Church downtown. I was going to ask what kind of <laughs> a church. Yeah. First Baptist Church, big two-story church. I still remember Pastor Kim. He always had this belt. He's always so well-dressed. It, so, it was such a cool church. He always had his belt buckle all the way sideways on his hip. This is another sidebar, but I'll never forget. Like I always remember like sitting in church room. Why did he wear his belt with his belt buckle all the way sideways, always to the same hip, always. And he was always so well put together. Everything was pristine. So it obviously was a purpose, but anyways, I'll, I won't forget that. But I remember sitting there between my grandparents and kind of feeling like, because I was genuinely interested to know what it was about. So uh, his name was Kevin, what Kevin, you know, what it was about him. You know, like, what is this that he talks about? What is this that, that he loves? What is this that he finds value? And what is this that he guides, uses, his, you know, to guide his life? Was so I genuinely, uh, just a, by a few years, uh, not quite four years. Okay. So he was, I think, 21 when we met. So uh, anyways, I just, I think that that, I think that was the thing, was really having a, the open heart really having the open mind and, and wanting, truly wanting on a soulful level to understand. And I don't know if you would say it's, you know, God's magic or alchemy or I don't know how you would term it, but at some point sitting there between my grandparents and this big, beautiful two-story church with the beautiful windows and all the blah, blah, yes, the beautiful words that were coming, but they didn't hit home for me. It was just like more pretty words. Yeah, I get it. It's all, yeah. Okay. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I'm ready to go home. And then he said, and this is, I know it's like everywhere. You see it everywhere. It's, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. And that awakened me. That I felt inside of me. And I knew, I knew that that was real. I knew like you remembered perhaps remembered something that you had always known like it triggered perhaps it triggered that it was real and that god was who god is and despite all of the other you know i'm 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 not going to sit here and try to tell anybody else that you know this god or that god or this religion or that or this following or that spirit i don't i can't speak to the all those other things because i don't know you know, I haven't researched, I haven't had the, the heart to delve down. There are some things that I'll say, well, yeah, that's definitely contrary to what I believe to be good or right, you know, for humanity, for people, for what I would think, you know, God's will for his people would be. But in terms of like, just for me, um, nothing was ever truer. And I remember even sitting there in the moments after, like that little voice in my head thinking like, Oh, there's like all this stuff in the Bible. And what about all this contradictory information? You know, like I, you know, we all hear the contradictory stuff growing up and everybody making fun of like all these biblical principles. And it's kind of a joke. It's kind of a game. And somehow Jesus got like hammered down into a book that was meant to somehow like put chains on people. And really what I found is that it released me. And, and so, you know, it's interesting to, uh, try to put these things to words um but i i guess just for me during that day uh pastor kim that day at the end of all of that you know he said that and i was just sitting there just kind of like feeling like sparkly you know like now uh it's been it's been a while it's been over a year but you know like if i take lsd 
I always say it's getting sparkly, right? Like you're opening your third eye, like you're, there's ego death that, you know, depending on what you're doing that's happening, there's, there's a connection that's happening that's not materialistically connected to this, you know, terrestrial plane, but it's very, very real. And I feel like this was like an extra extravagant spiritual version that was very organic of what I call getting sparkly in that moment. Like I just knew it was real. And at the end, the pastor said, you know, and if you would like, you know, Jesus to be in your heart and, you know, I can't even remember his exact words. You know, if you want to say this prayer of salvation with me, you know, however it might've gone, you know, it's been so many years now. Um, but I just closed my eyes and with all my heart, I just, I just knew what I was saying was yes. It was yes. It was right. It was true. And it reverberated. And then for many years, I kind of like lived with God in kind of like this back place in my mind or in my life. Like, you know, I prayed with my kids and we prayed at, you know, bedtimes and we went to Sunday school. All my kids went to private. How many kids did you and Kevin have? So Kevin and I have three biological children and two adopted Uh children. And you raised them all Christian? Correct. Yeah. And did you, you, did your older kids ever buck the system? No. Or question it? Are they all... That's pretty awesome. I mean, they, I, I don't like, you know, I don't want to say. Not buck like, the system. I, I'm, That's I'm like, big, I don't mean, I mean it that. I, mean, I just, it's like no, whatever know, your parents I, like, do. Like rebel against. Yeah. I didn't ever, um, I don't feel like that we ever like made it like choky, you know, like I feel like we didn't put God in a box. Like, you know, there are some definite like black and white things that we like, you know, we're staunch on. Mm-hmm. But like me, I like I'm just like this dreadlock LSD taken, you know, I mean, look, look where we are already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty, pretty mellow with my kids, especially like my younger three kids. Um, <laughs> they have a whole different experience than my older three ever had. But, um, you know, I think that we just made it to be that, you know, God is life, like God is all around us. God is what, you know, helps to give us like discernment. And when we're feeling that, like, you know, we're being led by our emotions, you know, like, okay, I don't, I like for, let me take marriage as a classic example. Like I don't feel loving toward my spouse right now. You know, I don't feel that, you know, we're in love. I'm not feeling the magic. I'm not, you know, all these feelings. Right. And I'm not talking like the obvious big, like somebody beat you. If you've been betrayed, like there are obvious deal breakers, but you know, just in terms of just normal human existence, like we all have our shit, right? Like nobody's perfect. We all have our, our garbage that we bring with us and hopefully we try to overcome it. Hopefully we're all on the same level, but we know we're not. And I feel like that, you know, one of the things that we tried to set forward and to be fair, I'm the one that fucking ruined that whole situation between us. And, and I don't have regrets on that. I mean, I walked away, I broke the marriage apart. Um, for, I don't know, God forbid my, I hate to say it like that, because sometimes my kids are going to listen to this. That sounded really callous how I said it, but uh, I feel like that we, uh, God, Cheney, I'll get way, I, my mind starts going in a million different directions. <laughs> um, I know, I, I think, just like, this is, go, this is, okay, I, so, <laughs> I know the sun shifted, I'm at the park, so it's like, yeah, you're not, I'm like, I just have more questions. I feel like you're like a rabbit hole all of a sudden. (laughs) I just have more questions. (laughs) Um, I didn't want, God wasn't uh, oppressive to me in the way that I was somehow before, you know, his truth was, was what resonated in me. 
that I, I felt like somehow that God was going to be oppressive or like take away my freedoms or like not want what was best for me. There was a mean and spiteful God or like, I don't know. Like I had all, it's weird to even haven't thought about it in a long time, but, but I don't feel that that's how we lived our life, how we lived our marriage. And I feel like what I was going to say about marriage is, I mean, ultimately after 12 years, we did get divorced, but, uh, in all of that time, when we didn't feel like we were, I mean, we had one date in all of the years that we were married, one, because we had all these little kids back to back to back, we were doing foster care, he was working two jobs, it was, it was like, you know, I was this young mom in my 20s with this huge suburban house, like we had this picture perfect dream, right, and he really was and still is a perfect, you know, picture perfect man, you know, we're, we're uh, our chemistry is different right like I, I we share a house now actually <laughs> um so maybe that's something that's we pretty talk incredible about road, but so that you and that you guys love each other like that but you know not romantically yeah you know? I think that's and, I always if if you tell me you're not friends with any of your exes I usually think you're an asshole I think it really says something good about you if you're friends with some of the people that you've been with because it means that you are both good people. You just weren't meant for each other anymore or not, right. at, you know? And so right. I sometimes it just is a red flag to me when I hear some, even if it's friends of mine and they're like, that person I dated is a shit bag and that person's an asshole and that person's a this and that person's a that. And I'm like, you're probably the problem. If yeah, it, red flags. Well, it's probably you. Absolutely, absolutely. So I just feel like that we always try to just lift each other up. We never cut each other down. That was one of the ways that we showed our children, like, you know, it wasn't, it was beyond our emotions for each other. Like we tried to show them a higher love based on the best that human beings can do, knowing God and the way that it, our brains could possibly even perceive him given this, you know, one book that's filled with this incredible amount of information, but it's like translated from another language and you have to kind of get into, you know, theology and, you know, you know, I mean, you and I both go down rabbit holes in other ways. So you know how that can be. Um, and it just takes, it takes like anything. If you want to know something, you got to get your fucking hands dirty and get into it, you know, and besides Jesus, who's your favorite in the Bible? Who do you wish had a bigger story? Who do I wish had a bigger story? Cause I have mine. Tell like, me I yours. I think you should tell me yours. That I need in the Bible. I need the book of Judas and I need the oh. book of Mary Magdalene. Those are the two oh. books that I would have to have in the Bible. And to me, I think Judas is probably the most unsung hero of all time. I think he knew what he was doing. I think Jesus told him he was going to have to do that and that it was going to be the biggest burden to ever carry. But he was the only one that loved him enough to carry it. That's an interesting spin. That's an interesting perspective. I haven't thought about Judas too much. And it's interesting because, uh, yeah, good thoughts. Like, I would just think Jesus would already know he was God. So well, yeah. he would already know how everyone was going to turn out. Yep. So it would be really important to him. Like if he had his follower, he wouldn't pick his weakest follower to do the hardest job. He'd pick his strongest follower to do that job. That's the hardest job of any of his disciples. Judas had the hardest job, or in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. 
if I the whole story all. or it wouldn't gotten told in the way that it got told. And here's another weird philosophy that I have about it, which I would really, uh, it's nice talking to a Christian because I don't know how crazy this idea is. If God comes down in the flesh of man, and he's always been, and he always had, you know, he, he's always been there and he are, you know, he flooded them once and they still didn't kind of get their shit together. And he watched him for a little while and he's like, I got to come down and just see what the, all the hullabaloo is about. I got to see what these people really have to deal with. So he comes down in the flesh of man and he lives this whole life and he lives a whole life of probably, I mean, total abstinent on every level, no drugs, no sex, no all levels of love, probably not abstinent of love. He's probably all levels of love, but maybe in ways that we consider now to be some kind of, I don't know, but it's weird to me that God would come down and totally withstand a whole bunch of sect of being human. But I also believe when God was crucified, he would have wanted to be crucified the exact way he was crucified. Like a gun to the head would have been too quick for God. He would want right. to feel every fucking second of a human death because he's right. God. Like that's just right. one experience he never had before. He's God. He's been around forever. Can you imagine how fantastic that 33 years was for him? How different and lively and just, he was always around doing all these great things, universes, great waterfalls, whatever he's doing. But then he gets to come down in the flesh. And yeah, living might have been cool. But don't you think dying was its whole own fucking awesome thing? I don't know. That's, wow. <laughs> this is where I, my head goes all I'm the time. I'm like, about wow. I, I'm not, we might have to, dare, dare I say, circle back, Cheney. That's... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, you got too high for me on that one. <laughs> I'm like, all right, hold on. I need to have my head stop spinning for just a minute. <laughs> um, wow. I don't know that I could immediately comment on that. Those are very unique perspectives that I had never. I really like my like that. I was, I grew up Christian. Uh, I've been born again after I grew up Christian and then, uh, but I never felt it. I never, I always wanted to. I tried to go through every action of every way I could feel God. I tried Buddhism on. I looked into Hinduism stuff. I tried atheism. That never really worked. That was the shortest amount of time that I'm like, no, I have this ever, I like this search. Um, I think it's omnism now is what I am, where I believe that God, ha like there's a piece in everything of God out there and I'm on a search to put the puzzle together. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to go down rabbit holes after we're done with this conversation, actually. You've really opened up uh, some interesting, some interesting uh, scenarios. Well, I yeah. it's easy to just do the, yeah, I know, um, Mary and the moon and Helena and Artemides. Like, I know you can, or not Artemides, Artemis, wait, I don't, Artemides is the owl from <laughs> Sword in the Stone. Um, but, <laughs> but Archimedes, just, Archimedes. Arch yeah, Archimedes. <laughs> yeah. But I just know, like, all the weird connections of everything, how they can take, like, Thor and be like, this is Jesus Christ. And they can take all the symbology of the three years and, or the three days and, or the son of God. I know all the symbolisms cause I'm a nerd through all the religions, but I also know what the Bible 
I know the little stories and things that it has that other religions don't have that really intrigue me um, just as far as my conspiracy head's concerned. Well, as to the conspiracy part, I will say that I believe that we're watching the book of Revelations rolling out in front of us, like sentence by sentence. And it, that part of the Bible, I wish was more, I mean, that is the, like, that is the, the one book that hasn't come to pass, right? Like we're, we're living in these times. And so when I see what's happening around us, like with new world order, and I see like the shit that's coming down the pipelines and all the evil in it, like, you know, I, I know we said ahead, I was like, I don't want to talk about truth or stuff, Cheney, like not even a little <laughs> bit, but so just real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, it's crazy to be awake to everything being so connected in this crazy fucking matrix. And we've got, you know, child killers and, you know, child baby rapers, literally, like, that's the currency of the world that we're like rolling through. And every seeing everything that's so connected in this way. Um, there's like this, uh, there's this fictional book series, which I uh, left Behind, I don't know if you've ever heard it, there's this Left Behind book series, it's phenomenal, it's phenomenal, like, I could not put, like, I've never read any other Christian literature that was, like, you know, fictional literature, ne never, ever, I recommend this stuff, I mean, it's probably been 15 years, 10, 15 years since I read these things, every single thing that they hypothetically roll out in this book is, like, like, I'm like, we could just be reading the Left Behind series and we could have the book <laughs> of Revelations open and we could be looking at Bill Gates and, you know, what's happening like around. It's just this. That's the part that intrigues me in terms of like when I start to get into my conspiracies and I see what's happening in a real world sense and I start comparing that with like scriptural things or like historically, like, you know, just just, uh, you know historically in terms of just the nations like what do, what do we see happening throughout history what are we seeing happen like all that stuff is what totally turns me on and gets me super excited so that's the one book I think that it intrigues me endlessly and I wish I once had a, a, a Sunday school teacher that I went to with uh, Kevin and they did like they would break down the book of Revelations and just like really slowly every Sunday for like an hour and I just remember just like being so thirsty for more it was just like so like you just like you know like we always say like some things you just know you just feel it and like even then I was just like I I felt like you know the the electricity around it like this is that per, perhaps that we were going to be living through these times you know that that this book is talking about so that kind of stuff kind of blows me away didn't you kind of or I shouldn't did you always think we'd be living through these times even when you were young like did something about you, did you ever feel normal or did you always? No, <laughs> nope. that's a good question. I have never felt like I fit. I think that's the best way to say. And I, I guess I always have, I tell people like now I keep to myself more because I feel like, is it my life experiences that made me kind of like this doomsday girl? Like I, I don't want to be this negative energy. I'm always talking about negative energy, toxic energy, but fuck, I'm full of like so much like doom and it's not because I'm seeking it, but I just like, will see what I say or say what I see. And I'll talk about what I've experienced really openly. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, some people's, you know, that, that, uh, that movie is, uh, as good as it gets. 
and it yeah, has Jack Nicholson, and Jack Nicholson. And at some point, he's talking to Greg Kinnear and Helen Hunt or whatever in the car, and he's like, you know, some people's stories they have noodle salad and they go on picnics, and their story is like they're happy stories. These families have happy stories. They have stories about picnics and noodle salad. And I'm like, I don't, my story isn't noodle salad at all. And I was talking to a buddy the other day, we were sitting there smoking a joint and I was like, I was like, you know what I was just thinking? I said, you know, as I'm, t and I was telling him something that was dark and I was like, I'm so sorry when I do that. I said, I just, I, said, I try to keep to myself for that reason. And it's not, it's truly not because I have a heart for darkness. That's, that's not where my heart or my spirit is. But also we're living through kind of a dark time and a lot of, you know, I went through in these last few years, a lot of things happened in my life too. And I just feel like as I've become older and more in tune with who I am, how I am, the way I process things, the things that I don't process so well, and I really reflect on who I am, I have said for many years that I don't feel like I fit. I don't feel normal, whatever that means. I just have never felt like I was that girl that I saw things the way that other people saw things. And there's definitely been like huge swaths of time in my life where I just like went along with the flow. You know, when you're trying to figure out who you are, you have your influences around you and you do the best you can, but like get on the hamster growth, wheel. It is personal growth, self-growth. I almost feel like life has to shake you up or break you sometimes before you're able to pull back from some of that running in the wheel and actually have a glimpse at who who and what you are, or start to come to terms with that. I don't feel um, like you're dark at all. I don't get that no? energy read from you at all. And oh, I actually, I gosh. feel like that about myself a lot, but I just think it's because I'm not scared to look into dark places. It doesn't frighten me. Like I'm not scared of anything. And I also have just come to the terms, I think over the past few months, that darkness isn't evil. There's totally right. like difference like somewhere the evil has taken over the darkness, but it used yeah. to be, I think spirits that were very comfortable and very protective and the darkness um, probably protected the light, but somewhere evil hid in it. And then people stopped looking in it. And right. now the light is polluted by the evil as well. And they're, you know, wearing Pope outfits and dressed as presidents and, oh, man. Uh, you know, and so it's yeah. like, evil's in plain sight now it used to have to hide in the dark and so there was only a few people that weren't scared to look and it just masquerades in the light now and in fact that's that's what evil is now i mean evil calls itself light it's just complete inversion you know and it's and and the the older i get the more clear it is to me you know in particular like when i'm around other human beings i went through a really intense relationship with somebody that you know, all of his colors and all of his energy were telling a story that was different than what was happening with his words and in our behavior together a lot of the time. And so it really started, it made, it made me doubt and, and shut off huge parts of those honed skills of mine, those intuitions, because I loved him and I thought I must be wrong. Like I started to believe that I I wasn't perceiving these things like I, like I actually do, like I actually can, you know what I mean? But there yeah. was, it was, it was dimmed. Um, and I'm still, you know, picking back up on it, but healing takes time. Do you think so. that all of that, um, as traumatic as it was, that will eventually be something that will be part of your gospel that 
you'll be able to save people because of it. Like it almost becomes a chink in your armor that makes you like a stronger soldier or something. I think that there's been a couple of things. Can I tell you about the really fucked up things? Yeah. So there's been a couple things that I always say, this is what I say to Scott all the time. Maybe not all the time, but because I always feel like I can tell Scott my truth, you know, like he's kind of one of my people. We have a, an interesting, you know, relationship. And if anyone's listening to this, you can go back and listen to episode two and Scott's on it and listen to Scott. So let me, so let me say too, real quick that, and I think I said before we started recording that Scott is like a pure human. And I said this, you know, ahead of time that the things that he does in this life, the people that he helps, the way that he is with other human beings, he is among the most highly respected humans that I've known in my life. You know, he and Ed both, um, but Scott and I have known each other longer. We had a little bit of a history. um, And so I am more familiar with more particular things about Scott, but they're both, um, I mean, I, I am blessed among humans to get to know not one, but both of them. They are constant rocks the way that they are with people the way that scott is with people the way that scott's been with me um sorry so i i get off track about that uh anyways they're they're good men and they've been good to me and uh but what were we saying right before that because oh the the fucked up things i always tell scott especially when i'm being an emotional creature which bless his heart because i don't know how he puts up with it out of the blue for me sometimes (laughs) but i always say i'm a ruined human I'm a kind of a ruined person. And part of that, I think, is feeling like I never fit. And, you know, there was, you know, my my dad built a pipe bomb when I was little because my mom finally found a way to escape him. And when he found out and he finally started getting visitation with us, he was going to put a a bomb in our garage door so that after he took us for visitation, he was going to blow her to kingdom come. Well, he blew himself up. He went to prison. He blew his arm off, you know, blah, blah, blah. Years down the road, you know, there was uh, some connections with him, you know, but um, How there was you? that. When all that happened, I think yeah. I was seven, maybe. And your parents were split up and then he was still like in love with her. And if he can't have her, no one will kind of shit. This is interesting how that rolled over to my adult life. How I saw shit like that is what love is. But so, um, yeah, he, he was, um, he wasn't a good man. And was he ever uh, a good dad? I always say, I think that my dad loved us in whatever way someone who had his disorders could love. I think my dad was probably a sociopath. Um, and, and based on research that I've done because of my own circumstance as an adult and also just years prior, just because psychology was always such a huge interest of mine. What, I feel that, that, I, what sociopath to you? Um, he's, he, uh, lacks the ability to empathize with other human beings. He does not bond with other human beings in the way that you or I would bond with a human. And so, um, you know, you can hurt people and it does, you're not conflicted. 
you know, in whatever way. And, and, it, and it goes much deeper than that. I mean, it gets, it's diabolical and it's very, uh, it's, it's complicated and nuanced, but it's, but I guess just a, my own, if someone just asked me like, okay, well, what I would say, my father didn't have a conscience. Well, um, I mean, it not, not even to be conspiratorial, but they say that the elite do this to their children and that the mm -hmm. best CEOs in the whole world of all the biggest companies all are sociopaths and you have to yeah. be to get that far in business because you can't care about humanity if the bottom line is a dollar. Agreed. And that's, and that's part of, again, that's how it carries over into why I'm passionate and do can say the stuff that I say on our podcast because I fully agree. And I so I mean, you asked me this question. My, I have a sort of a fucking memory, and, I'm, and I, it's going to come out why, but I have real serious memory loss issues, and in, in particular with short-term memory. So a lot of times when I say this on our podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, I lose my train of thought. I say I fall off the rails, but really, I completely like black out, and a lot of times I just never remember what it was I was saying, and it happens all day, every day with everybody, and uh, it's I'm better at controlling it. I'm super hyper aware of it happening, but because of some traumas, my doctors have told me over time throughout the years as the brain heals uh that shit will get better and i get it has to a large degree when i think of where i was four years ago or two years ago whatever but um so forgive when i get off the rails and i drop my train of thought i used to be uh i have no judgment i just think that I'm so stoned that sometimes I lose my short term. <laughs> I'm like, did I smoke too much pot? I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> so I have no doubt. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Um, so anyways, you know, we just, we just had kind of an unstable, you know, life. I moved like 20 some odd times, like 27 times by the time I married Shit. Kevin. Um, so he know, probably felt very stable to you as well. Like he probably felt he was. clean oh, yeah. and stable and Wholesome good. And, yep, absolutely. Never to this day, never has raised his voice to me, never once in all the years we were married. And I was and kind. not, I was not a good 20 something year old wife. I will tell you that I was definitely, uh, I had some breaking down to be done in my own spirit to be softer and be, and become a good woman. You know, I was, I did my best, but I was a fucking kid, you know, and I, came from an adverse background it's not an excuse but it is a real explanation I think for I mean if I were still the same girl that I was then I could probably be ashamed of myself but you know I'm not you know we grow we learn we you know I've made amends with him for my you know shitty behavior just you know kind of a, a bitchy horrible screechy yelling discontented wife when um, I had no reason to be at all but uh, anyway, so all those kind of things happened. And then um, I had a really super bonded relationship with my mother. And I think probably as the years have gone on, I've realized unhealthily so probably I had like one of those moms that obviously was an enabler because she was with my father. Um, and, you know, a, how long a was very, he in prison for? I actually don't remember. And no okay. one is still living that would know. So okay. <laughs> I thought about looking it up, but then I was like, I don't know if I want to open. Like, Did he just kind of disappear? Remember life a little bit for a while and then he got out and he had a new girlfriend for a number of years and he abused her much the same way he did my mom though not to the same degree and then eventually she escaped him and he never did have another her mom was free of him that they part. never they never ended up getting divorced all the years of their lives um but she escaped him at some point and they both 
you know, kind of moved on about their ways at some point. His stock, like, especially after he blew himself up, the stocking. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at that. You're no, like, I, it's okay. It's been a long time now. And like, like if we can't laugh on some of this stuff, we're in You're like, that's trouble, a deal breaker so. to me. If you, ha if you wear mean, Reeboks with tapered jeans or try to blow yourself up in my garage. <laughs> 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 how in touch with you are you with your own psychopathic behaviors before we can go out because I had a dad and let me tell you I have these <laughs> issues so um but anyway so they it was it was an interesting childhood you know and then you know my mom kind of tried to live out some of her younger years as like you know a mom in her 30s and kind of partied a little bit which wasn't the best when I already came from kind of you know like I don't know I just it always I at the time I didn't think anything of it at the time when you're living your life as a kid, that's normal. Whatever happens in your household, that's normal. You know, yeah, I've seen pictures of you as a kid on Instagram and uh, your energy. And I know all kids are like innocent, but you just seem like you have this energy of like such a sweet, good kid. Like I want an innocent kid. Like when I look at my pictures of my wife when she was little, I know she was just such a nice, good kid. So this is extra like I was a different kind of kid or if I look at pictures of my brother I know he wasn't a good kid but there's some kids that I'm just like oh they were nice kids and so this yeah. is so extra horrible that this not that it should happen to any kid no of course I know what you, you just mean no. like such a sweet kid <laughs> and I and honestly I had an amazing mother she was I mean she did the best that she could you know she had an, a, a horribly abusive husband that she adored and um, interestingly, same as with my situation, the reason why she eventually walked was because he was betraying her. And, uh, when I, same with me, the reason why I eventually walked was because I found out that I was being betrayed and that was, that was the end of it. Uh, but anyways, um, but I was very attached to my mom and I think that because of her life circumstance, she probably made us feel like she was kind of helicopter mommy, you know, which I loved, you know, it was great. Even in my twenties, talked to her every day on the phone for several hours a day, like that kind of mom You're like besties. and like besties, besties, like, but my mom always struggled really, really hard financially. Like we were homeless a lot when I was little, we lived in the car. Um, and then even after I got married and stuff, you know, we would try to help out and stuff. And she was getting like government, you know, help with houses, but she wasn't getting, she didn't have anything to fucking eat. We're taking her growth. She's like, she just, she struggled, you know, like she was a good woman that had a hard go. Like her dad was no better setting their shit on fire and beating my grandmother than she thought. You know what I mean? Like this shit runs in cycles, right? Yeah. Everyone's just doing the best they can with the pieces that they were thrown into, right? So, but my mom struggled with um, depression. And even when I was really little, she would say, like, I remember like uh, this, she didn't always drink, but at some point in my teenage years, she started drinking and uh, she would like start to get drunk at night, you know, and then she'd be like real emotional and she'd take me off to the side and say shit like, you know, if, if I'm not in the house in the morning, you know, just you, just you come out to the garage. And if you find anything, then I want you to call this number, you know, our emergency contact, whatever. Like she'd take me through these like rituals. I always knew she wanted to kill herself. You know, like, not that she always wanted to, but I should say there were p periods of time in her life where, from like when I was really young. Where you young, were ever, old enough to know what that was, you knew she right. wanted to. And that, because she would talk about, like, you know, and she was just, she cried always, you know, we struggled always, like, she was always hiding from my dad, like, he, 
I like would go and like fucking kidnap my younger sister from school and like have us chasing him around town in the car and like, you know, just like, man, the traumas that happen trauma, to you. Trauma, like, trauma, trauma. It is. Yeah, yeah. So and then like, you feel like you can't provide for your children, which is a whole nother layer. And then you're feeling it, like a loser from, you know, because yeah. what am I going to have to go and suck a fucking dick to feed my kids? Um, right, right. Like, I mean, and, it sucks, but it's just like the, the 2020 that just happened to everybody. It was like the financial peril of normal good people that I heard real right. friends of mine in. Um, it just gave me kind of a little more being able to relate to so many people in the world and then just then layer kids on top of it. Like right. then add kids not being able to take care of them. Well, that's the thing. Like she didn't have, you know, I mean, and this, I say this carefully because I'm a stay at home mom. So like, and this is like not to dog it out. And I feel like I carried this heavy burden. Like I didn't do something with my life. Like that was a picture that was painted for me for so many years. Cause I was a stay at home mom. I didn't pursue my law degree. Oh, I didn't do this. Oh, I didn't do that. You know, like that somehow that was like, I felt like I that was grew part up. of our conditioning. That's that how was, they wanted yeah, to break I, down our family unit. So they just made failed. women feel like we had to go and be men. And that really fucked me up as a parent to my kids you know like I, it's still like a conscious thing I have to unlearn but I but I say she I all that to say that she didn't have quote-unquote skills like she wasn't about to leave three little kids with a man who was hunting her down and stalking her with who question mark while she goes and works what fucking job like you know there's just I know that women do it right like yeah. women do it every day I'm not saying people can't whatever but like I'm speaking to my circumstance and her circumstance and like the way that it went down for my family was like she didn't overcome those struggles, you know, like she tried so hard so long. And then, uh, six years ago, uh, four days after Christmas, she was, she lived in California and she had come up to Oregon to be with me and my family with my younger brother who still lived at home. He's 15 years younger than I. We share a house too, actually. We have a big house here in Eugene and there's a lot of us there. So interesting uh, stories, how this all, all stuff comes about. But um, she came for Christmas and, and then she hanged herself in the bedroom above mine. So, so she was visiting you. Yeah. And with your, fa your whole family is there and your brother. So all my kids were asleep and my husband had gone to work. And at that time I was remarried. I've, I've been married twice, both to very good men, I will say. John was my second husband. He's actually the one who's talking to help me relocate to Florida, Janie. That's fantastic. Um, but uh, I just, she had been going through some terrible shit and I knew that she was down. And the night before, she like did stuff that she wouldn't normally do. And now that I'm like deep involved in the whole like you know suicide anti-suicide movement and all that you know be aware of the signs like now it's so clear and all that to say I also have struggled with suicide you know thoughts and I've depression I've you know been a self-harmer so um you know this isn't a judgment call but like as much as people say you got to check on your friends well that's true but at no point when I've been suicidal has a friend popping over to my house and keep me company for a few hours or calling every day been what stayed the bullet, the knife or the pills, right? Like there's something that's broken inside 
or maybe it's an awareness. Sometimes I think it happens to people who are hyper aware of all the different truths, like not just what we're talking about governmentally, but like deep psychological truths. Like when you've been through trauma and you start to like see the different ways that people fracture and break, or maybe the ways that we don't come back from it, you know, like, I don't know. If you're uh, feeling like suicidal, if it's okay to say, I know everyone yeah. is always scared to even say these words because then it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, forever. What is the feeling like of right now where you're not feeling suicidal? Is it a voice in your head that's talking louder than other voices? What is the. It's inescapable hopelessness. And it makes you feel as if if you're not here, it'll be better for everybody else. Or it doesn't no, matter not, about anybody else at all. It's just it, you. I mean, I'm, I mean, for me, for sure, I thought about like, you know, the, I, I, uh, at some point, it's been years now, at some point in them, I was going through a divorce with my second husband. I hadn't recovered from what had happened with my mom. I was still kind of a shut-in. And I started falling into hopelessness. I was um, self-harming, which is kind of hard for people to understand because they, I think that people think that that means like if you're cutting yourself, you're trying to kill yourself, which is absolutely not the case. It's just feeling something. It's having you're, control oh, it's, over a feeling. It's let it, for me, cutting always alleviated how bad it hurt inside is that why you tattooed yourself as well um no but the pain of tattoo is a rush <laughs> i know that's i, I always thought so a, too it was like I'm putting ink a, in a scar <laughs> if i get stressed i used to be there was one time where i got really stressed out and i went and had four tattoos in a week because i'm like i just gotta hurt you uh -huh. know i just gotta that's, hurt uh -huh. but but when you're lost when i've been lost um you know like just, I, I, it's, it's a little macabre, but I, I laugh about it. I don't mean to make anyone uncomfortable, but like, you know, my arms are real super scarred up. I didn't always cut. I was like a period of, it, it really started, uh, it was right before she killed herself. Um, I was going through something really horrible in my marriage and I was having postpartum depression and I didn't understand what any of that was. And I was feeling hopeless. And that was my way of coping at that point. And then shortly thereafter, uh, she killed herself. And then I started, I've always been like holistic girl. And then I started seeing a psychiatrist who uh, I, I tallied it up. He was prescribing me 7,000 pharmaceutical pills a year. Adderall at the same time as Xanax, two different antidepressants and antipsychotic, two things to help me sleep. Holy um, shit. It was a lot. I lost 70 pounds the first year. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Um, but I also didn't kill myself, right? It numbed me out and stuff enough. And I do, I do think that some of that has to do with why I have memory issues, like such a fucking huge amount of drugs. I mean, it, I only ended up doing that for like a year and a half. And I actually didn't even ever take everything that was prescribed because it was just, it was too much. You and know, you just like, get so numb. You don't feel anything anymore, but you don't feel nothing. happy either. You're just a shell. Flat, empty. And that was... There was just all these things, right? So she hanged herself. Um, I went upstairs to go get her up that morning and she 
didn't open her bedroom door and I'm holding my new baby in my arms and I couldn't get in. And then I think I just knew that something, I, I say something was wrong. I think I knew that she was gone. Did you you replay all like immediately every other time in your whole childhood and youth, like waiting for this, like every story, like, like I started replaying more the night before. Because like my mom was like a wonderful mother, but she, and she loved my kids, but she wasn't like that doting grandma. She's like, Oh, give them to Grammy. I want to have them over the weekend. Like she wasn't that grandma. She was like, I, listen, you wanted to have kids. You fucking raise your kids. I love those babies. But like, you know what I mean? Like she wasn't hands-on in that. She'd cook us big meals, kiss their faces, you know, bake them things. But she didn't like sit on the floor and do puzzles. Like that just wasn't really her mm-hmm. vibe. But like the night before she like wanted to bathe my baby. Like, can I give him his nighttime bath? Oh, I want to read the kids a story like that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really fucking cool. Like, right. Like she wanted to like hang out a little bit longer before she went to bed. That shit, that morning when I was standing outside that door and I started pounding on it with my fist and pretty soon I realized that my fist was starting to split open. Like I was pan. I didn't even realize you were turning, my knuckles were splitting. You like you're all your like it, spiritually. Like I knew I had like a little axe there because it was like this outside room. There was an axe outside and end up freaking beating the axe off the doorknob. I went into the room and I swear to you, to this day, I literally felt like something evil pass by me when I opened that door and leave that room. Like that there was a demonic influence, like palpably moved by me. But I threw the door, finally got through the door and here I'm holding my baby arm. The, the room is dark, but they're in the corner, you know, and she's hanging. And it was, uh, there's not a lot that I remember after that for a long time. But it was so traumatic. You're like, it's just, I ran, does it just sear in your brain and then just cut off your life until you. Well, I mean, I remember some other instances from that morning, right? Like there's all these things like, you know, it's interesting. Like we were trying to fix that room up for her. We we're trying to fix the, is this, is this all way too dark to be talking about? No, no. Okay. We, we wanted to fix this. Talking about it. I don't want to seem cold like, or no. okay. Maybe it's sometimes I feel like too, when we say the things that hurt us, like it li- releases the energy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I also feel like there's so many people that don't have the words. What I'm realizing in this whole thing um, where people are really kind and complimenting um, is sometimes when we podcast, when we spell cast, we find words that other people have been searching for for a really long time. And so sometimes with the harder topics, they're the less talked about things. So the words are probably even that much harder to hear even somebody else say it. Even the word suicide. It's like, it's heavy. It's a lot. I mean, it's, I know there's, I have a girlfriend from high school that took her life just over COVID, you know, like it, it happens all around us all the time. You know, I go to these suicide rallies or back when we were allowed and they always have you hold up these beads, right? They'll say, if you've lost, you know, a spouse, you hold up this color beads. If you've lost a parent, you hold up gold beads. If you've lost a child, you know, you hold up whatever, white beads. It's always my hope now having lived through ugly things. Not that my words would be sad, even though they are. 
but that they would be a roadmap to other people to find light. You know, that you can be at the bottom and be all the way ruined and come back and help people with what you bring back. I have this meme that I posted and it says, I love people who walk out of the flames and go back in carrying buckets of water for those who are still burning. And I hope that that will be the song of my life because my story is not noodle salad, right? So anyway, you know, I, uh, we found her that morning. I ran downstairs and I will do things so different now, Chaney, had my mind not been completely so fractured in that moment, right? Uh, I grabbed my little brother out of bed, 15 years younger than me, <laughs> said something happened to mom. I regret that. I regret that. He was the only other person at home that was anywhere close to being an adult. And I took him up those stairs with me to find our mother hanging there. And those are things I would take back. I guess I found out years later that I brought my young children outside to my mother on a gurney and said, say goodbye to grandma, grandmother. Because I guess I wasn't even processing that they would see her again at a funeral or like, like I wasn't thinking, like I couldn't, I just wasn't working, you know? Death is like so numbing anyway. I can't imagine like the trauma of that. Like immediate death of somebody watching somebody die in a hospital bed is trauma. And right. finding someone that you know is sick or old is traumatic. Finding someone that's maybe suicidal is traumatic. But you weren't planning on any of this in your life at four days after Christmas with your mom visiting and in your life. It wasn't like you were in her house in your youth. It kind right. of was like seemed like you were kind of free of that fear because now you're in your safe space where you're like secure and yeah. then that it's it's weird that she came into that space but maybe because it did feel if she was haunted by something she probably <laughs> felt safe there and around all of you guys and i know i get people I don't know how I think of suicide. I know people are like, it's so selfish and it's all this and it's all that. And I'm like, what if it's like your last time around? What if your last time around, you're like, I decide. I don't know. I don't want to have any judgment, but I also believe that you said a spirit came by and like Grimes, uh, Elon Musk's wife, she says something. She's not a necromancer. I know I have people that would yell at me for not knowing this, but there's like this spirit of suicide that like gets on people and there's specific ways they choose to kill themselves and it's by hanging or pills because they have to have enough life in the body to jump ship to the next body before death. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think a lot of, I am like all about like the presence of like energies and like that they move, you know, I mean, I would say that those are demonic energies, you know, for sure. But like, I mean, I've had demonic people in my life, you know, and it's interesting because we think it's monsters, right? We think it's what we see on the screen. And I mean, it is, right? But not the screen that we were taught. Um, and it's interesting that 
And I, I think there's like a meme that I read some years back and I, it always stuck with me, but it's like, as, an, as a child, I never imagined that all of the monsters in the world would just be other people. You know, they would be our neighbors. They would be the people that say they love us. They would be the people that we said that we loved, you know, yeah. and because the flesh, that's just the meat suit. It, it really does house the part that's real within people that you, the eyes don't perceive. And that's where discernment and like understanding energy comes, but that's not something they teach you in school. And it's definitely not something that was talked about in my house growing up, you know, like, in so, I mean, some of the people that I even know now, when I start talking about energies or witchcraft or the presence of like, you know, like this or that happened, like, I know I'm protected, but that doesn't mean that shit can't trip me up, you know, and I'll talk about this. People are like, oh, that's so, what you know, woo woo out. There. I'm like, it's not like, you could be a witch for Jesus. It's real. Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that's what I, I like it. I mean, all sorts of witches from all different walks of life. I think it takes all kinds. <laughs> an alchemist for Jesus, whatever title you prefer. I, I, I was thinking an alchemist for Jesus. I can do it. So it was kind of uh, all of these, all of these uh, fucky things, right? And then I finally started to come out of my shell. It took a few years, and does your do you feel your mom with you now? No, not not like that. Like I feel her presence or her aura. Or does like she ever give you signs of anything? No. Did she ever leave you anything, or have you ever asked her to? No. Well, you definitely should. You should. I don't know what, like, um, I don't think I have a healed, I don't have a healed relationship yet with, like, I can talk about it. Like, I definitely didn't used to be able to just talk about it, but like, um, I chose where, she, like, we did a natural burial. We didn't want her embalmed. See, this is other traumatized. Like, we prepared, me, me and my siblings, we prepared her body for burial. <laughs> And so like you we just were handling like, put myself through all the trauma. I just I didn't I wasn't even I didn't have anybody in my you ear telling are me a this maybe <laughs> big time. You needed right? some grounding somebody and <laughs> to be like you don't need but, to be this part. I needed that was when I needed my mom to be like like Megan fucking snap out of it and like let somebody else handle some shit but but you know like to this day like she's there was one natural burial place that was local that we that you know would take natural burial like I'm sure I could google it oh I wouldn't google it I would duck.com it or Scott would probably shame me and say to use whatever the new one is but um but I don't know where she's buried I couldn't drive there right now if I wanted to like I couldn't find her I don't we have I had two doctors I had two shrinks one was the one that was pilling me, and the other one I call very affectionately my shrinky dink. You remember shrinky dinks back in the day? Yes. We like color on the little plastic, put in the oven. It was like magic. Okay. Yes. I didn't get those very often, but I think I remember getting them once for sure, and I remember those being like the. They were kind of like stained glass, but yeah, not like, and they would like shrivel. I just remember there was like strawberry shortcake and rainbows and all kinds of cute like whatever. But anyways, I always had this like fond. Uh, memory of these and anyways at some point after my mom died I had been on all these meds at some point I took myself off all those meds without asking my doctor I just was like I had a terrible car accident so I won't even get deep too because we're I'm gonna go too deep into everything I had a terrible car accident and at some point right after like literally right after that I was just like you know I, all I am is numb I don't remember anything I'm not available for anybody and I'm not living life and like it's done, I'm done being buffered, you know, so I just quit taking all the pills. So that was an interesting come down. Um, 
but uh, I never did really recover from depression and it, it got really bad and then we moved and I was going through another divorce and that was really ugly for a while and I started self-harming again it was getting pretty bad and then I just I like you asked what does it feel like I just woke up one day and I just thought if I had the strength right now I would get out of this bed and go hang myself from the deck and I was thinking but you could never allow your children to find yourself that way okay well I've got pills I can take a shit ton of pills well I've got weapons. Well, I've got knives. Well, I've got like, right. We're creative creatures. We can figure something out. And I called my sister and I said, I'm not, I'm not okay. And I need you to come pick me you up. You have a voice in your head at all that says, get away from the pills, get away from the gun. You're not strong enough for that right now. Get yeah. out of this room. Like I just, I knew that I wasn't, I knew that I was hopeless. And I said, I need you to come pick me up and take me to the hospital. I think I need to be hospitalized because if you don't come pick me up, I'm not gonna keep being here. And that was it. I went to the hospital, I told them that I was hopeless and they were able to contact probably my old doctor and see everything I had ever been on and see that I took myself off all my meds and whatever. I mean, there had been time passed. It wasn't like a few months, it was like a year or something, you know, time had gone but I just didn't really recover well. So I was in the hospital and it was there, the doctor that I had there, his name was Eric, Dr. Eric. I call him my shrinky dink because he was, he never medicated me. He helped me to figure out the proper way without any more toxicity to exit the marriage that I was ending at the time in a way that was mentally healthy for me and safe for me. He helped me to see a lot of things. And one of the most profound things that he said to me, and I, he was on the hospital doctor and he wasn't taking new patients, but after I got out of the hospital, I, I came to find out later, it was like, I was there like eight or nine days. But you know, when you're in the hospital, you're like, I mean, I was willingly there. I could have checked out, but I, I was there to get help. And I was meeting with him every day and going through group exercises and like actually starting to establish some sort of a baseline you know, some grounding, some direction, like he had me write down goals, like what do you need to do to feel like you can make it through your days? What do you need to do to feel successful? What are the things that worry you? When I really could put it down and pinpoint things, that was my compass, you know. So I got out and um, he continued to see me and it was during one of those sessions and I just said, you know, I, I'm never, I, I'm not normal. I want to feel normal. Like one, how do I get over the constant, you know, I wasn't the word I used with him, but the ruminating about my mom, like, how do I move forward? Like, how is that her face in the dark hanging there? Not always what I see when I blink, like how, how do I get past this shit? You know? And he said, well, we used to think that trauma was, and he like made this like circle with his hands, you know, and he kind of filled in the whole circle of his hands. We used to think that trauma would like, you know, shade like this area of your life in the circle, or it would shade that area of your life. That's what psychologists and psychiatrists used to believe. And now we're understanding that trauma, through trauma, it shades the entire region of your life in all of its particulars from within to without, spiritually out and then back within. And so what happens is with trauma is that you don't erase the shading. What happens is your life, and he grew new bright lines around the shaded circle that he had made. And he said, your life grows around the trauma. And when I saw that, 
visually him making like this and in my mind it was like the center of a flower and like the lines could be squiggly going around and it, it was like blooming like I started to understand that this I'm not gonna be better like I'm not gonna wake up tomorrow and I don't like your trauma is just fertilized shit that your seed's about to grow out of basically yeah and he said the other thing he said was he said do you ever you know do you ever look at her do you ever look at her stuff and I said no he said well when you're ready put a picture of her up somewhere that's what I suggest where it's maybe not like right in your face like your bathroom mirror but where you see it when you walk by when you're comfortable with that you'll be healing and it took a couple months and I didn't go back actually I've never been back since that that time I've couple months later I put a picture of her out it still sits in the same exact spot I haven't changed it but um I'm at peace with that picture and it's only it doesn't ever replace your scar but you can remember her as a living thing again you know and right I I think it was yeah it like my situation with my father wasn't nearly as traumatic and I have my own regrets like I tell anyone if you have anyone dying get in bed with them. Like just get in bed with them. Like don't feel awkward. Don't feel weird. Just who cares? Get in bed with them. And so it took me a while to put a picture up and it's like my dad on a scooter in Key West with like a cigarette and it's such like a chill, like him. He doesn't have kids that day. He's probably buzzed. Like he's in such a, but it makes me happy when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it rehumanizes out of, I mean, I say like, like you say, like not all darkness is bad. That's true. But darkness can still be scary and hard, you know, like not all dark is evil, but some of it's really heavy, you know, and it, and I think it just, it helps to rehumanize some of the darkness around some of the ugly and like those final memories, those final visualizations of like what things looked like and how things sounded and what they, and how, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, so I started to heal from all that, Chaney. And this did is where the help you like did you feel like in your darkest was there times that you felt carried? Like you know the footprints what? like Jesus, you know like there was you, only one set of footprints cuz I was carrying you. <laughs> I know he was. I don't remember feeling very connected to him at that time, which is I mean I always say and maybe other people do too like if you don't feel God it's more that you've pulled away and not him. I believe that to be true. I mean, I was super fucked off with drugs. I was so medicated for a long time and then I was going through trauma and I just really wasn't like seeking out his energy or his truth, you know, not like I was turning my back on him, not that at all. But, and I think too, in the darkest times of seeing that happen to her, I didn't blame God because some people say I would blame God, you know, it was not that. Or that, you know, or, you know, if God really was such and such, he would prevent it. You know, it's all the shit that people say when they're trying to be helpful, you know what I mean? But I don't think it was anything like that, but I think it was just maybe, I don't know. I haven't ever tried to put it to words, not necessarily knowing that she was there with him and I'm here without, but it was just a weird dynamic, a weird dynamic. And so I will say that the, as terrible as that situation was it did not poison corrupt or destroy my life or even I won't say it didn't break my heart the same that situation did not break my soul 
but a few years after I got well, or as well as I think I will be, I'm all of that. I think I'm as healed as I'm going to be. Like time will pass and maybe, you know, sometime I'll go put flowers on her grave. Likely not. That just is not comfortable for me. You are going to decide, though, a way that she, I don't know if it's butter, like my dad leaves me pennies um, in weird places, not like pennies in my pocket, but in like weird places where like, and I'll you find, know that that's him. I like, know that's... it. And he always had this purse, like this tiny little like coin purse that was ancient as fuck. He was probably like five or six and his grandmother gave it to him and said, as long as you have these two pennies, you'll always have a cent to your name. And so... <laughs> I love that. And my dad always would tell me these two pennies and he would say, your word is uh, like, your word is all you have that and these two pennies. And so it was always like, your word is your bond. It's everything. And then as long as you have these two cents, you'll always have a cent to your name. And if your word, you have everything. So it was kind of like a whole thing. So he leaves me pennies in places and, um, I love it. And it's always like a time I need it. And it's always felt really heavy on me. Like I was one of the first of my friends that my parent, one of my parents died. So and dealing with a lot of my friends when their like parents are on life support or no longer seemingly there, or it's like, tell them why they're there. Cause it gives you validation and flesh that you can tell them like, I want to see a rainbow. I like to see butterflies. I like whatever your every moms always have something with their kid. Always. It's like every time I see a cardinal, like it always reminds me, whatever. And so I think sometimes you just because it it's like an aura, a time isn't linear. You just have to tell the universe because spirit's trying to contact you all the time. But like the same way, like you see synchronistic numbers, that's like it's like, yeah, you're paying attention, but sometimes yeah. people spirits are trying to contact you, but you have to be the one that's telling your mom what, how you want her to. And I really do feel all of that to be true. I really do. And I think this is part of the reason why as much as I try to shield myself from talking to other people and I try to hide out from the world, as we previously discussed, um, really moments like this where we learn from one another, it takes like you saying that to me, where it lights something to me where I know that it's true, where I'm like, you know what, I needed to hear that because now I'm going to implement that in my life. This is the part of human growth. This is the part of human healing. This is a part of human connection and relatability. All of these, you telling your story, giving me something to grasp onto and be like, you know what, now that you say that I am in this moment, consciously aware of the fact that I am subconsciously in constant Uh, attempt of blocking out nearly all energies from my existence from almost everybody and that has to do with the part where I was going to say that God did carry me in his arms like a weeping child still to this day Um, and I know that he was with me it's more of just a me not uh you know, I think I will say, like I say, I was more pulled back and not feeling it, not asking for his comfort, not asking for his guidance, not asking for his peace. I wasn't asking for those things. I wasn't praying for those things. I wasn't praying at all. And again, not because I was turning my back on him, but I just, I just couldn't. And uh, a couple of years later, my grandma, who I was next closest to in my family, who had to live through all that, she was the most beautiful, amazing woman ever. Like you would have loved her. She died really suddenly. She just. What was her name? Barbara. 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 Classically trained pianist. Beautiful. 
graceful woman. She was lovely and an empathetic and kind and gentle. But uh, we lost her and, uh, and it was the same with her because I saw the pain of burying her child in her face. So after she died, my mom died. I like totally closed my grandma off for the time that we had left with her, foolishly thinking I had forever, right? Because I just couldn't bear to look at her. I couldn't bear to see in her eyes what I felt also. And you and were a mom, funny. so you could actually relate to her, that feeling in your grandmother, which is fucking insanity to me. I, I don't have children. So the idea of having that kind of empathy for your grandmother losing her child, why it was also your mother is fucking heavy. I felt like the biggest piece of shit on the face of the earth after she died, though. You're you know? a fucking hella empath. Uh, it's I pretty, think you're so huge of an empath. Yeah, you can't even it, be around everybody. You, you take it all on. Yeah. So you know, I uh, I started to heal from all of that. I was housebound a lot. You know, like I just I didn't interact with the world. And then Facebook of all fucking things in the world, I started <laughs> connecting with people like in Hawaii and like Thailand and like California and Colorado, wherever. Like people, you know how Facebook you just whoever. Yeah. And it was like seeing them live their lives like pictures at the beach and like them laughing with their fucking kids and like hugging husbands and like people chicks hiking with their cute hiking shorts on like I was seeing people live life right and that started to pull me out of my shell right this was after I had been hospitalized and I was home they had put me on um they had recommended when I left the hospital it was something to help me sleep Ambien I think Ambien and something else whatever I took for a super short time but I just didn't I didn't want to be hazed at all it sucks. I'm a lifelong insomniac. So to this day, uh, you know, I really did like those pills. That and that's sleep, how we're but... friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like in the middle of the night, what are you doing? I'm having a fire. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so, um, but uh, I, this is a really interesting and complicated thing. And I think I do want to touch on it because it has shaped everything to this point now everything's to the needle head it is now because of what happened after all of those things i had been free of my marriage i don't know what a year or two a year year and a half i think maybe 18 months and i got online and i met somebody we happen to go to high school six together. kids i have six kids yeah so i have two adopted children and four biological children so at this point now, three of my children are grown. One's married. Uh, another one is, you know, uh, lives about an hour away. My, uh, oh, my other kid who will be 19 next week, my youngest of my three older ones, he's a wildland firefighter. He's doing online schooling for EMT stuff, you know, but awesome. And then I have a 14 year old and a 12 year old, my adopted children um, from when we did foster care in California. And so we've, they've been home with us since they were babies. And then for my second marriage, we had a little surprise guy and he's just turned nine uh, on the 1st of April. So anyway, so yes, I, I, at this point now I had moved from where I was, where the, where my mom had died in that house, we'd moved. We bought a house in Eugene. Um, 
I was, you know, there with my kids, raising my kids, doing my thing, trying to make my own furniture, trying to grow, you know, I'm not a green thumb at all. I murder everything I try to grow. Thank God it's not up to me to grow weed. I would never make it. So (laughs) (laughs) we do not give you that job when we build our society. (laughs) I am a connoisseur. I will tell you that for sure, but I, let's not count on me to grow it. So you know, but I was just doing my thing. I was doing my vibe and I was just like, you know, I, I was in, you know, two marriages, one, not quite like the first, um, but both good men. But um, I realize now as a woman of my age and my experience, what chemistry is. And I didn't have that kind of chemistry in either of my marriages that I ended up having with this person that I met. And he was and is, and I am very careful to say this because I am an overcomer of narcissistic abuse. And for people who haven't experienced what that means or for the people that throw away that term narcissism, like, you know, you have a vain girlfriend or people that show too much on the social media and people use it as like that punchline. But it's a real psychopathy, you know, it's a real thing. And so you met somebody online. I met somebody um, online and we, we went to high school together. I didn't really remember him all that well, but I knew that we did. And so there was that familiarity, you know. Did you talk online before you met in person for a while? Like, did you build the intimacy of the relationship um, before you met in physical? We talked, I think, for like a week before we met. Oh, okay. Okay. You know? So you were like, you're a close. Let's not even, let's like the like, chemistry was that- already there writing. He was super seductive, right? Like, I, uh, I, I just, just didn't am asking I, this because no, I, I understand. I'm online just... is another, especially with 2020. So many people that never even hung out online before have some of their best friends they've ever met in the world online now, you know, and yeah. they're meeting relationships and sharing intimacies online. And so I didn't, some I just didn't my... know if you met like well, that this... and it was a long relationship. No, no. So this was like way this, at this point, this is three years ago. So this was prior to COVID. The world was still normal. I was still somewhat in the matrix. I wasn't like fully red pilled yet. Like I didn't have any fucking, I knew like some things, but I had no idea of like what, now what I do and what we talk about. No, no idea. Like, you know, so, you know, we met and um, it was just fireworks. Like he wasn't any kind of perfect, right? And this is part of, I think the healing of it where I hesitated and I said to you before we started recording of talking on this, and I've been writing a book about it actually, I'm a writer. I've been a writer since I was very little, never published anything and never actually finished anything that I started, but I have all of yet. these like, yet, I have all these boxes of all these writings, right? So this might be the one. And you're really a great writer. I like when you, even when we're just like writing to silly text back and forth about our day, like you're really great and um you put a full picture with your words 
I appreciate that. I feel the same about you. Every time we talk, I'm like, Chaney, you need to be writing books. You realize that, right? And it's so like, crazy because I don't write anyone. Usually the extent of my writing to people is like, hi. And like, I'm usually make people text me or like call me, but you, <laughs> this is probably why you refuse <laughs> to call. <laughs> you're like, can we just, can you just be like a cool grown up? Cause you're like in your forties <laughs> now, Megan, can you get on the fucking phone? I'm a little bit worried about that for tonight. Can we just smoke a joint quietly and just text back and forth? So, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of glad you kind of brought out this like I used to love writing and like even that kind of like poetic uh nature of it all like the dichotomy of words uh finding them and how they look written out is so different than how I hear myself say them and so yeah I'm actually grateful for that you have a super melodic flow this the I'm I always pick I'm very I love good writing and most people are not good writers most people can't aren't can't even complete proper sentences and I don't care whatever but when somebody does and when they put a flair to it and you have this poetic little li whenever you know like I get excited when you start saying things in a certain way because it's like not only like you end up conveying true energy like it's so strange to try to say and explain with words but to be able to pick up through someone's writing and actual energy is like it's moving and it doesn't happen very often to me like I say like I am I think it's anyway so you should write I I feel the same about I, you and I, uh, it makes me excited because I feel like we have this like genuine friendship that it's yeah. rare that I have um, a friendship with somebody that I haven't chatted with all that much. And so like, this is the extent of our longest conversation. <laughs> it is. Wow. I mean, we have... don't have like a whole room of boys hanging out. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I like it. Um... See, I need to be good at it. <laughs> oh. Well, when I, when I get through with all this off story and the crying, but truly I, I do think I think that there's healing to happen in our stories and I think that our stories help other people to heal and if we can't do that then maybe things really are a bit hopeless. I need healing. I need to hear other people's stories. I need to have the map back to the paths that are right for me. I need to have flashlights that other people shine to help me see the bumps in the road. I need to have sustenance for my journey and that all comes from other people from us interacting you know from true energy interacting and from hearing you know like you saying you know like me being you saying what you saying makes me consciously aware that I block out energy all the time but maybe it's time for me to reassess the woman that I was three years ago and start to open up and start to be to a degree the woman that I was or pick up on some of those beautiful things that somehow got buried beneath the destruction of what happened or what you told me you're never going to be that person from the trauma you're going to build around it build around it you're yeah. never going to be what you were before you're you're actually and I know it sounds so fucking crazy you the best version of you is still ahead ahead and it's hard when you're going through the muck and the mire right you're just like well fuck this is where the mud, mud pulled my shoes off let me just lay down here and be done quicksand it you know and it's but I will say and I and I also want to be careful to say I don't think that it's proper at least not for me to defend my abuser but for the past year I tried to convince myself that I didn't want him or I didn't love him or it wasn't real or the things that happened to me didn't happen because I was gaslit and manipulated and fucking lied to so bad and I just there was such a shattering of innocence because I 
I believed in him and I trusted him with every part of me. And just a few days ago, this whole situation with him ended, I think like probably all relationships or relationship transactions that happen with these kind of people who have these kinds of, I mean, I'm not a doctor to prescribe. I can only say, I can only attest to what happened to me and to what I went through. And part of the reason why I loved him so much was because of those moments, like, you know, an abuser, they don't just abuse you 100% of the time. You know, I always remember, even my mom used to have her face shoved through glass mirrors. And I got older and was like, why didn't she just leave? Why didn't she just fucking go? It's just so, all you have to do is go, right? Stupidest shit that I ever uttered. And life isn't that simple and love isn't that simple. And humans aren't It's so weird that, that the person shivving you is literally the only person who can take the knife out. Right. It's, and so it, people don't understand that about abusive relationship is that whatever you're seeing the abuse on the outside, the abuse that's happening internally is so much worse because you're not seeing how golden this person is for me to be so in love with them when no one's around and when all this shit isn't going on. And so it's like the perfect abuse is when the only person who can stop any of the pain is the person causing the pain. And that's how you lose all your friends and all your family and everyone slowly, they like get you on an island all by yourself. And then the only thoughts you're left with are your own, but they've broken all that down. So now you're just on a reel of repeat of all the bad shit they told you about yourself. Oh my gosh. In a nutshell. And the truth is he never actually really verbally told me, like he wasn't one of the ones that would dog me out and like necessarily cut me down, but it was, there was an awful lot of, especially early on, there's an awful lot of LSD usage and an awful lot of LSD usage in the terms of a sexual content context. And I will say now looking back, that he, I think what destroyed me a lot was he realized what he was doing. He knew that he was making me, you know, all along everything we did, adore him and love him and fight for him, fight for us and give up more of myself and hide more of myself away and give him more when he never felt truly much, I think, my, my feeling is like my father, that he didn't actually feel anything real for me. Because everyone makes mistakes, right? We all fuck up. Everyone hurts people. We say we're sorry. We mean it. And the way that we know someone's sorry is because they don't repeat the behavior, right? Some people who look you in the eyes the deepest and hold you the tightest are the ones that enjoy when you suffer. That was a degree of darkness I wasn't prepared to face. Like somebody getting off on your sorrow. Yeah. And endangering me, betraying me again and again, and I just, I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see it. Every time 
that I saw it and there was a different explanation or I was gaslit or like feasting grade. on your real energy, like feasting on Truth. your real energy. Yeah. Which is, I think why I became so super hyper aware of dark energy over the last few years. And, you know, I, uh, for the better part of a year, it, so it all ended in a restraining order, which expired two days ago. So I'm a little extra emotional this week, not because I'm afraid that he's going to come like to my house and hurt me, like beat me up with his fist. It was never that. I mean, those kind of things happened between us, but it was the, the tiny percentage, right? That that's, I wouldn't even speak on it, honestly. But he used, the simplest sentence would be that he used my vulnerability and my innocence and my trust in him and used consensual sex to rape a much more sacred space inside. And I thought all along that he didn't know what he was doing. I believed he was so broken from things that happened to him, right? He was such the victim. So good that you, the same way as bad people project on us, good people project on them. And so you were so good. You were putting what you would do in him and the way you would treat people in him and the way you would love in him. And it's the opposite that happens, but good people give like good face to bad people sometimes the same way bad people like gaslight it's you're exactly describing it exactly like i mean and the experience of it you know i for the better part of a year i remember every day i would sit and my oldest daughter said i was only allowed to say it out loud once a day i wasn't allowed to say anything else about the situation out loud because of it being unhealthy and my oldest daughter's got some wisdom right 19 years old. I wonder who she reminds me of. <laughs> but I would say, I hope there was a movie that I saw. I don't remember who said it. It was like Angela Bassett or Whitney Houston. Someone said maybe it was like in Waiting, Waiting to Exhale. I hope he catch a disease and his dick fall off. Right? <laughs> I said that every fucking day, tears running down my face. Because there was such a sexual addiction component to what went on between us, which I had no inkling to what that even meant or what that was, right? Like, I don't even know if I fully understand it as I'm talking, like, you are the only person I've talked to openly like this. I've told my sister some things, but like, just to sit and open roll talk about it, like, I don't know that I fully understand, right? I've spent the last year watching you know, ASSC direct on YouTube, you know, Quinn Holiday, he helped me save my fucking life and like, you know, spiritual whistleblower and narc survivor. And there's like a few that I listen to and I watch and I hesitated to talk about any of this because God forbid he ever hear this one. I don't want him to have yet another chunk of me or to know how much he won. Right. But whether or not he loved me, it's funny because some of my life coaches say, you didn't love them. Well, that's not true. I loved him. I love him still. I pray to God every day that he never, ever crossed my path again. Because 
what's within him is an enemy with what is within me. We are enemies in the spiritual realm. And I am weak for his big tears and his promises and his touch on the terrestrial plane. And as complicated and fucked up as that is to say, I mean, I'm not going back. There's no danger that anyone's going to see us with our Facebook pictures up again, right? Like, I know that it's over. I know what day it was over. I've never cried so hard for so long. And I will say, of all the shit that I've told you that happened in my life, I do think that this was part of the plan that was written for me, as God says in Psalm 139, all my days were in your book before one of them came to be. Because not having the noodle salad life means that I can talk about these things with a powerful voice and someone else who is stuck in the dark with someone who they don't understand, who they're Googling their behavior, who they don't understand why they keep leaving, who they don't understand the tears and the crying with the betrayal. When they're confused about what's happening to them and about how who they are is disappearing. Maybe somewhere along my path, someone's going to look back and say, but she did it. But she fucking climbed back. And that isn't the end, right? If I can love that powerfully. Because I, I think, you know, 20% of it, the gaslighting, the manipulation, the lying, the cheating, that part, that fucking ruined me, right? But I thought he was fascinating. I never would have left him. If it hadn't been for the betrayal, I never would have left his side. He was, and I can only speak for me, he was my companion in every way that I could have allowed a human being to have access to me. And I would and did do any and everything for him that I could. I, Your honesty, by the way, does not make him a winner and it doesn't make you weak. I think it shows like how big your heart is, like the depths of how much you love. And I think your honesty it's, it's real. I don't think being able to still say that I love somebody and still be strong enough to be like, but they're not good for me. Yeah. I think that fucking loving yourself that much and as hard as it is for you to say right now, this is, he's the hardest drug I've ever fucking done and the hardest fucking drug I've ever quit. Maybe the most out of all the trauma that you've went through, the biggest yep. trauma. The biggest trauma, hands down. And for you to still say, I love him. I mean, that's kind of what I would think like the Christ journey is kind of about is that forgiveness and love. That that would be the philosophy of Christ if I were to break it down and just put it into a philosophy to get to a full place of even the Romans beating you to still love them. Um, that Absolutely. Seems- uh, because you realize that someone's behavior, what he did to me in terms of my spirit and my soul and what he took, I know that didn't have to do with me. I know I didn't wrong him, right? Like, I was my best self with him, probably because I knew right from the start that he was very broken, like I am very broken, and that he'd had a hard go, and something in me 
latched on to that little spark of vulnerability into all the ways that he had been done wrong. And when demons are in people, it can see light. Like demon doesn't want other demon. Demon doesn't feast on demon. Demon doesn't get off on that at all. Demon only wants light. Demon only wants godly. Demon only wants people that are attached to source. That's what it feasts on the most. It doesn't want fucking darkness in the club at 4 a.m. getting, you know, ass fucked with great gimp mask on. It's true. It wants darkness wants inside the happy home and the good heart and the. I just couldn't see it, right? I mean, it's interesting. So like I said, I went through this whole phase and, and especially because it ended with my knowledge of betrayal and it's interesting. And I say this, and this is part of my creed, right? This is my testimony. The moment in my heart, I knew he was betraying me. I felt like my soul tear and I knew I could never, ever go back. Right. But the moment that happened, and for many months after, God opened my eyes to all of the things that he had been doing. And that was devastating because I couldn't see it when I was still in his arms. I couldn't see it when he was my partner in my bed. I couldn't see it when he held my hand and promised me the forever that He's probably probably promising somebody else now, right? And to see one of the women, you know, then who he was pursuing really fucked my world up, right? I mean, me for a long time think it was me, right? That's, I think, what happens to a lot of people get like, I wasn't good enough. I didn't look good enough. I wasn't, I certainly wasn't young enough to compare, right? <laughs> And I started to find out about all the others and all the other times and all of the times that I potentially was in danger. And, and then I started thinking, there's all these fucking snakes all around town that knew about me, right? Some of them that I knew, they fucking knew about me. And they knew I was mad for him, right? Like, our love wasn't pretend, not on my end. It wasn't a fling, not on my end. Went on for two years, right? They fucking knew. And they were sleeping with him behind my back. And it just, it made me wish that he would suffer for a long time. I wanted him to get karma, right? I wanted him to pay. Hurt. I wanted him to not get away with betraying somebody who loved him so completely. And then I just have realized it wasn't about me. It was never about me. And that hurts too, right? It was just part of some rotation, just some girl, some face, like all the other faces. That's what I think. Like, I don't know what he really thinks or what he really feels, but I know you don't destroy what you love. And I know that a man takes care of what he values, right? And when you see that you're destroying someone, and you hear them sobbing, and you see them breaking, most people, they stop. They stop. There's something inside of us that stops. It's empathy, right? But if someone doesn't have it, if he couldn't bond with me as much as he wanted to, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to and he couldn't. But I do know 
but choosing to entertain demonic energy, it's a choice. At any point, he could have said no. At any point, he could have said no more. And I tried through every way that I loved him. And I loved him and held him higher than my first husband who treated me and still treats me like a queen among women, right? I mean, he's moved on. I mean, there's nothing, like I say, no romantic love. He honors me and respects me, takes care of me, takes care of our children, right? And I held this man who was so broken and lost like he was a treasure to my soul that I would have protected him from anything. But he would not have done the same for me, and he didn't. So all the time around town now, right, I pass him. I see his work truck. I was leaving Home Depot the other day, and as I got to my car and started to leave, I saw just a few lanes over he was there, which means we passed each other coming in or out of the store, right? He probably saw me. I don't know. Thank God I didn't see him. But it's during this time to answer your question that God has carried me. Because there were times over this past year where I believed that I would not survive. How badly my heart was broken. And I know that it seems like a silly thing to say, but I have since read that people actually do die from a condition that people call broken heart syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I really did physically feel. It happens a lot with um, in nursing homes with the couples that are together couples. Like 50 and 60 years where one of them will die and the other one will die like three weeks later, two weeks later. Yeah, I thought I thought I wouldn't make it. And for a long time, I didn't want to. And then he would have taken not only the pieces of my soul that he took, but then he ultimately would have taken my life if that had happened. I didn't want him to move on or to thrive, and I just sobbed about the women he was moving on with and how he had used me and everything that I thought was beautiful and pure and magical. He just raised it to the ground. I don't know what his story is with other people, and I don't want ugly things for him in his life. You know, for a while I started to think, I wish everything for him that he has coming. I wish him the same as what he put out, but I don't wish that for him, right? These are all the, the little stories that I tell myself in my head when I'm spending all this time ruminating about all the things I could have, should have, would have, when I could have walked, should I stayed, was it really me? Can I really call out my abuser? Do you even want to say abuse? Does that mean it's over between us forever, right? There's all these fucking conflicting, horrible thoughts. But at the end of the day, every day, I pray that the seeds that I planted in his life would grow to an understanding of these energies that he entertains and that he will come to find God at the end of it, whether or not I ever get to see his face again at the end. I pray for his soul, even though he took pieces of mine away. But I, to see him, to have to run, you know, into him in a store, I think it would buckle me. I won't go running to his arms, but to have to look him in the eye after everything is horrifically and screaming and tragic and sobbing and my family involved and all the horrible shit the way that it went down at the very last in the very last moments I just don't want to see what else I can survive and so I prayed the other day and I don't I don't have any powers or any energy of my own that is of mine right mine is 
Whatever I have is what God has given me. That's what I believe, right? But I just prayed like, God, I pray that you would just find this energy and give me peace from it, right? Like, I know it's out there and you know my heart and I am yours and I am asking my father to find this energy from me because I don't feel confident or strong enough to face him on my own and I hope that I never will and it has everything to do with the fact that I know that there's nothing within him that can be pure for me because that's not the choice that he makes and so for knew you it's like there's no going back to that like you now with the scars that you have even if you met him today you there's never doing that again no and i'll never be there with someone again either and i think too like i tried to date a little bit right there was that moment where i tried i didn't realize i was trying to rebound but like a few months later right i just i don't even term it that because this person i very much care for and love and all of those kind of things but like it it's just not the same right and i wasn't healed and i'm not healed and I got on some dating sites. I think it was on like match.com and fucking I broke down and got on Tinder. That's a shit show, right? I got on a few and I was just like, all of this energy, it's all the same. All these people, they're all looking like they're feeding their lower selves. They're feeding their darker selves. They're feeding their lower vibrations. And I, I don't want it. I don't want it. And I hate like, you know, I have buddies, I have like, you know, guys that could come hang out and I hang out with them sometimes. I'm sure that there's a couple of, you know, you know how we all have admirers. I'm like, sex is not hard to come by, right? I don't want to just have sex, right? Like I miss having the person that I loved hold me, wrap his the arm around thing. me at night. The chemistry, the, the closeness, like our little moments, right? Like, it's not like when people think about abusive relationships, like, oh, well, he did this or she did that or he like, right? I'm an enabler like 10% of it's my problem. Like I get it. Right. You know, and I'm not saying what um, he put out. Whitney Houston, you said, uh, Angela Bassett from waiting to exhale. When's the last time you watched that movie? I don't know what three or four years, four years. You should definitely watch it again. Cause I think the whole, you will have your exhale and it's, you're not free of it right now. You're still not, and you know, you're not, um, but, uh, there is that moment I think in life and sometimes it's relationships and sometimes it's deaths and sometimes it's, you know, a fucking COVID night motherfucking teen. Hopefully one day we'll all be able to take a collective, but I think there's just those moments where you're like sitting and maybe it's around a fire pit or on the beach, or maybe your family's just around and it's a meal and everyone's around and you're sitting back and you're looking at your life and you're like, everything's okay. Yeah. (sighs) I'm waiting for that moment where I like, laugh and like and that's it like there's nothing that comes after that like the ruminations or the bad feelings or the memories or the I know it will come right because I've healed it took some time to heal from my mom and that was a big life changer and as a collective we're all getting to this place like there's no secrets where we're going like this next layer of high 4d or 5d or Christ returning with our Christ conscious whatever religion you believe in we're 
we're leveling up and we're going to a place where we are authenticity and our pains and our hurts and being courageous with our words because of those. If we really want this new future, it's up to us to have these words and recreate it with each other by not allowing the same things that damaged that asshole who damaged you or the, your dad who damaged your mom and the dad who damaged. It's like those societies existed because secrets and everything was always brushed under the rug because women like us were too scared to say anything or too scared to have these conversations or too scared to, and, it, and men need these conversations too. I'm just speaking right. for women, but right, I just of think course. there's an amount of vulnerability and tears and something that with the laugh tracks and the 24 hour news cycles. And I think they've tried to like slowly condition away our humanity. And I think absolutely these conversations and feelings and emotions and laughing and tears, this is how we get it back. And I think um, think this is how hopefully a 17 year old kid never goes through it because of a conversation like this that we couldn't find when we were 17. And I feel like this is how we change the cycle by just being authentic and standing in our truth, being kind with God in our hearts and knowing we're connected to the whole. Right. Then walking our path and all the shit that happened behind us made our machete bigger to clear it. Like you're saying for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it was, it's, you know, and I was thinking too, like my kids were watching these things, right? I'm, I'm literally like living out a pattern that I lived out. You know what I mean? Like I just, I couldn't have it, you know? I but you saying it. this, you're breaking the pattern. You being brave enough to say this and it's your truth and saying it here. And you didn't say anything that I wouldn't be proud of. I think you're brave for saying all this. I think anything about you, I think you're fucking beautiful. I think your voice is amazing. I love your show. Um, I... I don't know. I think you should say it more. And I don't think you should ever be worried about the things you say or the point of view that you come from. I think you should have tons of courage in that. And I think you should feel your triple Sagittarius. I think you are a rare breed. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot, actually. I, it has been a journey back to my voice, for sure. And because fire it's also is the a, most purifying element, everyone forgets it, it. They think it's water, but it's fire. And fire is also the scariest element. It comes in tears and screaming sometimes, but it is very purifying. I, I, well, no one will say that I'm not intense and that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, all of these things, all of these things led me to, uh, Scott and Ed at the Truezilla podcast, you know, and that's how you and I ended up meeting through the podcast world. Right. And it was through, uh, and so it's, it's been all of these things to say, everyone goes through some heavy shit. Everyone has some baggage to offload. And I think part of the mistake has been thinking there was a time frame or a certain way or like that. I couldn't feel, you know, there's a lot of ambivalence, right? I feel very strongly in polar opposite areas, right? Like I, life is, uh, more complicated than public school laid out. How about that? Yeah, a lot more and, complicated. And talking to, you know, other people, it somehow sets feeling not a part of or feeling disconnected from or feeling different or like I don't fit. It somehow makes 
puzzle pieces fall into place because we all have these really incredible stories like even the noodle salad stories right i love hearing people's noodle salad stories like i need to hear that i need to hear that there's more than moms hanging on cords and like you know lovers who don't love you and like maybe you're never gonna love again or like maybe you know like your kids might take the covid vaccine like you know what i mean like there's there's hopeful stories out there and there's the process through it all and there's like you say that that humanity that this whole covid pandemic bullshit has corrupted away from us you know and we know how much the deep state has tried to pervert the family unit pervert i mean now they don't want us touching they don't want us talking they don't want us reproducing they don't want us you know gathering it's like and there's like this this grand global suffering of trauma that's happening people who are like i said you know friend from high school took her life you know over the lockdown there's that's a lot of there's a lot of stories there's a lot of people out there that they're struggling with ambivalence they're feeling confused they're feeling like you know like me sometimes i'm like fuck it, it was like 81 degrees today i made it to the lake holy shit and i'm back in the car now i'm thinking about all this shit that i ruminate on and it ruined the rest of my fucking day right like but then there was that 80 degrees at the lake and all of a sudden it was two days and like there's ladders up out of the dirt and it's true all of these stupid little memes that are like oh well they buried us they didn't know we were seeds but that yeah. shit's true it's true and it's interesting because we don't come back as the flower they ripped up we come back as like something much more mighty and magical tree. and powerful yeah like trees like you know flowers they come up easy from the root right yeah but trees and i feel like trees and i heard somebody say this and i'm going to say it too like trees are like people like some people they're like the leaves on a tree like they're around for a little bit but the wind blows and they're this way they're that way you don't count on them some people are like you know the branches and they're a little more sturdy but if you get out there too far on them they're going to break under the weight and some people are root people and those are the ones right we all have to have those root people we all have to have the stories that connect us to our roots and we have to figure out like i think that we're all connected you know there's this especially like all of us who are awakened there's this this mass awakening that's happened that's connected so many people in such a real way like what are the chances that you and i two years ago would ever thought we would just be sitting here talking like this right you know it's if it was up to you never <laughs> oh, oh my gosh i know oh my god it's it's bad too when we're when we're doing the podcast the guys are like all right well we were supposed to go on such and such as do whatever but they're gonna go live and i'm like well i'm going home because I know that was the first real, time we were ever going to hang out. <laughs> and, so, and so, and then too, Scott was like, well, they're going to probably ask us some questions. I'm like, I'm like starting to cry in the kitchen. I'm like, write them right now and tell them not to ask me any questions because I get too stressed out. Can you just tell them I get to, poor Scott, he has to like, I, okay, I get emotional. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, Scott's amazing. Uh, as to our podcast, he has this incredible gift at, producing and interacting and putting stuff together he really is a born leader and he is very very good at it he is not one of those i would say i would put i would put a lot of stake into saying that scott is not a corruptible character and it's very moving to see men move like that in this society ed same solid through and through so much class so much integrity these guys i mean Ed has like shown up at my house 
when I've been like, guys, I'm not coming into the podcast. I'm in the fucking dark place. I'm sitting in my room. I'm like, not, and then like, be go like then put the podcast off till later and Ed show up at my house and like, Hey, I just want to check on you. Are you good? I want to see your face. You want to talk? Like, and I will say I am definitely more often than not, when we have a hiccup on the podcast, I'm probably the one causing it. I don't like change. I can't mm -hmm. imagine why that would be I'm starting to like pick up on these childhood triggers, but I don't like change of any kind. It really makes me feel unstable, even though I know that's not reasonable. So anytime the littlest thing happens, I tend to like start taking it way off the tracks. And Scott is like trying to like keep me on the tracks and like I tend to like start getting really emotional with Scott. You have to trust Ed. your boys on the podcast. I know. And you just let them hold the reins with that and they know and respect you well enough. And yeah, I think you guys I, are doing a good thing over there. I've been I've been doing better about that. Like Ed's the peacekeeper, Ed Switzerland. So he seems like it. he also seems like he always lightens the like if if it, I'm just guessing if you guys were to ever get dark. intense he always because he just seems like he's charming and funny just and I only see the pictures that you guys all put up and then listen to the show but just like the energy you guys must have off air it's so true he really is he's I really adore both of them I, I genuinely love both of those men we like regularly I will tell them like I love you guys I value I appreciate this like they're good humans. You know, I'm lucky to know them. And the podcast aside, I'm very fortunate and blessed to know these two guys and like have them in my corner. It's really, really unique and cool to have like friends, like legit real friends that don't like, you know, live 600 miles away. You know, I, when I moved to Oregon, I had a, the girlfriend I left behind that was in California. You know, I have had, you know, like as you're an adult, a lot of your friendships, they kind of taper down, they get smaller. And I think like having kids, it's harder to meet new people. I'm not clubbing. I'm not like, what do you, what do people do in their forties? I don't know. I think it's pretty unique and special. And Ed always says like, we're brought together for a bigger purpose, right? Yeah. Like the three of us together, that's, that's a purpose. And so like a Florida studio, like, I know well, I was looking all day at uh, Truth Beach <laughs> and then I, I, I reached out and I was like, you're right. That other place I was looking at was pretty close to Georgia, but it's so pretty. And I'm like, I have to drive five hours and 23 minutes to get to Cheney. I don't know if I can do that. So I'd have to look for closer to you, I think for sure. Because that's what I was telling uh, John this morning. I said, I was sending him these like uh, houses and the properties out there. And I was like, I don't think I want to drive five hours away from the one person that I know. I said, so we have to at least move close to the one friend that I have because I know it's going to blossom over there. So anyway, oh, so stuff. And I, I mean, like you were saying how you had friends in Hawaii and friends in Thailand and friends. And that's what I feel like with this internet world. Um, I have great people in my real life, like all next to me. I can go across the street and go next door and I have amazing, I'm really blessed. Like I go into my job and I don't have to wear a mask at work. No one wears a mask in my establishment. It is everyone I work with is like pro-American, awesome. Like it's just amazing. Everything about my town, I couldn't say enough. Everybody's good. But in my spiritual, like thing I've been on in the last six months, I feel like if I didn't meet my online people, I don't know where I would have been. I would think I would have really lost my mind. Like, I think I was on the ver like when my empathy opened up and my heart chakra, I think my logic did not know what the fuck to do to handle it. And I yeah. really thought, oh fuck, I'm going crazy. And uh, if I wouldn't have had 
online people and um, vulnerable enough and at my own stages. And also, I'm not very trusting. So to be vulnerable and to just, okay, this person, Megan, could be anyone. Here's a really right. good thing about my life. And probably a CIA shield. Likely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like she works for Hillary Clinton, probably. I know, but it's just like, I feel really blessed and we all must be doing something for a bigger reason. And I still don't believe when I watch the news, like the fiasco that they say is going on um, today, this will be the first thing that dates my podcast today. Uh, Washington, D.C. became the 51st state. What? Yeah, that's a pretty big deal as far as the chess moves of our country are concerned, if you're still... I had had not heard about that. Wow. That really changes up, like, voting. It's good for the people of D.C. because they get treated kind of like a Puerto Rico where they're just a territory. But then... DC as a whole has just been a foreign country inside our country for as long as we've been a country. And now it's under the same guidelines for the first time ever as the rest of America. And we still have the fences around the Capitol. No one believes Joe Biden's in the Capitol. I'm like, what is happening? Who even believes he's the real president? I mean, not to go down that fucking rabbit hole. But no, that's shit. why I'm like, you got to come to Florida where we ha- we're a constitutional republic. We have a great governor and we have a good president. <laughs> I like it. I like, no, I legitimately, I, I was looking at Texas pretty strongly. And that's where my oldest daughter ended up moving right after she got married. Um, everyone's just ripping out my heart lately. What the heck? Like, I found out she was getting married five days before she got married, and then she left the next day out of, to move out of state. And then, like, <laughs> I'm just like, it's just giving it to you all at once. My friend Matt said, um, you have to hit rock bottom because then you can kick off. Like, otherwise, it. you're just falling, 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 falling. But once you hit rock bottom, you get your body can do that crunch and then bing, and you shoot up a lot quicker. Oh, I, that worked. I'm ready anytime. Jeez. But, um, yeah, so we're just, we're, I think Florida is a good, a really good, I was telling, saying today to the guys, to Scott, like, cause we always talk about like where we go when we go all right. The three of us were like, we're family during these times with all the division and and everything crazy, you got to hang on to your people, right? Like, you know, you got to be with people who are of like mind and who love you, like love you no matter what. Like, I don't care, like outside of harming other people, right? We're talking about like normal humanity, like who really like, I respect you. I accept you. My friends are my family. Like your friends are the family you create for yourself. Like you're born in bloodlines, but then you get blessed enough. But I think friends are soulmates in a different way. Like you travel together throughout lifetimes as well and I agree each other and you are different forms in each lifetime like I think sometimes your siblings and sometimes your lovers and sometimes your friends and sometimes you're it's just a teacher and a student and it's just but I think those souls always find each other yeah I think so too and I and I see that more now like more and more right all of these things had to happen and then I had to be alive at this particular time and worry about these, and I'm like, in the place that I'm in, like, here's the thing too, like, I think about like, okay, what's the purpose of everything, like, 
I have this little meme where it's someone like walking into the ocean with their clothes on. Like I think about that, like in a joking, sarcastic, like, oh, I'm just going to, I think when we and... honestly, when we first met or like really first became friends, you probably put a meme up like that where it actually took months later for me to verbalize. Oh, I think I was really depressed when I was uh, fantasizing about walking into the ocean and being a mermaid. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I just want to breathe water. I would go to the beach every day and just stand at the edge of my clothes. Like, I just want to walk in there and just, I'm just gonna and just and like I'm not thinking like of repercussions I'm not thinking of what's I'm like I'm like that's the part where your inner voice is just like you're just gonna breathe water see but my inner voice started to get all fantasy with it like I think you could do it your your fear is the only thing holding you back (laughs) (laughs) your fear is the only you got a fucking tail in there get in that water yeah haven't you seen the abyss you can breathe that you breathe it for nine months in your mom's belly walk in (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, I think that, uh, but all that to say, I, I was telling the guys this morning, so I, I messaged them a couple of pictures of these, of these properties and then, and a little place that I found. And we talk about like, okay, well, where we end up, we're, we're going to try to all end up because we want to build a studio together, you know, and still like, you know, we, we have these plans and these dreams and these goals and things that we're going to accomplish, but we want to stay together and uh and not lose that unity so anyway scott's like yeah i was like googling jobs and like i think like 30 minutes i don't remember what time but like 30 minutes from you and then i was like finding property and i told i was when i was talking about texas i really didn't have like any kind of light inside for it i'm like well it's warm cowboy hats all right maybe i'll meet a cowboy in some years i don't what i don't know what the hell's gonna happen in texas right like maybe i can grow some shit but now, like, when we started talking about Florida, when I really actually, like, legitimately started, like, looking at properties, I was like, hey, you guys, I'm like, I actually have, like, a light in my spirit about this, like, Florida feels good inside me, like, I feel like Florida feels good, and that's a crazy thing to say, but since we all understand energy, like, so Scott's like, yeah, I looked, and I found, you know, they've got, you know, a job like not too far, and then, you know, and so it's not know. what you know, it's who you know, I know people in every industry. I know people in every industry and I know good American patriots in every fucking industry. So people that think like we think that are fighting for freedom and are putting their money where their mouth is and showing up at city halls and fighting school boards to make sure kids can go back to school, fighting school boards to make sure kids don't have to wear masks and all the time. And Everywhere in Florida isn't perfect, but it is a constitutional republic. So each county is ran by the mayor's specifications. And that is how everyone should run the, want the entire country to, to run. That's how it should Absolutely. be. And yes. because some places are going to be different. Like your county might just have a water shortage that my county doesn't. Let's take the pandemic off of it. Like there's a right. lot of ways that things need to run. And Texas, I think politically with the Joe Rogan, the Elon Musk, the 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 united the the media pushed texas pride on us for the last 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. to push texas for this takeover to happen because they made texas this strong state if texas falls remember the alamo they're the gun rights blah 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 and then that same time while they did texas pride they've made everyone think florida's retarded florida man i'm sorry about saying that word i'm really working on it I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not here to pick apart words, but I'm just not trying to offend. Of course. I got you. I got you. But uh, um, yeah, I just think they've been mocking Florida like everywhere, but it's for a reason. There must be something really that they've set up in the laws here that isn't 
as easy to take over. There has to be some reason that we're the only state that didn't shut down what we shut down for eight days or something the entire year um, last year. Oh, wow at all we did spring break remember all the news when they were like look at florida yeah. spring break and this is this time last year um everywhere i love my kids oh sorry to interrupt you oh no i was just like all the small businesses i know thrived um people really did go out of their way to make sure like it was a lot of stuff that used to what i loved about portland i saw people do here when it mattered right Right. It's like everybody did it in Portland when they were rich and everybody was having fun and making their million dollars a night in the service industry. It was so great to shop local. Um, but the second everything shut down and they're all at Walmart, it's quite a different, they, they didn't put their money where their mouth was. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I, and I think that my biggest push at this point is like, and I know, I mean, Ed has children also, you know, we, we want a life for our kids. We understand what's going on we see what's happening and like my life is all things being equal. I'm halfway through it. Right. But I've got little kids. I've got kids in their twenties that I want a future for. And so does me moving off grid and homesteading, which is where I, my mind has been all year. What really what I've heavily looked at most. Um, but then like, how do they find partners? Like, how do they, like, how do you protect yourself if the real world does fall around underneath you and you're just on a farm alone? You know, like, so yeah, I'm just like, you need community. I need some community, but it needs to not be like, I think for so many reasons, but Oregon is, there's nothing left here for me. You know, like I've got my oldest son lives, you know, like an hour North and you know, my youngest of my oldest sons who will be, like I say, 19 next week, he still is at home, but you know, my three little ones can go with me. You know, my almost Are you from Oregon or, or California, I'm California, I'm California Bay area. But I can't obviously go back there ever. Like that's there's there's no home for me there. Their political ideology and the way it's just it's ugly. I think there. everybody should if you are lucky enough to if you're blessed enough to be born American and you have this huge plot of land that you can go to any of these places, I think it you do a disservice to yourself to not live on the other coast. Yeah, it's I it's and it's like you say, like the only thing I ever have seen on it is like either CSI Miami or like people posting shit memes about Florida or like that's just where you know that's where people go to retire there's nothing there there's not it's just bugs and swamp there's nothing there and then I like see pictures and I see stuff growing and I see the beach and I like and I'm like oh you know like the stories that you hear and if you don't seek stuff out you just have we to have three girls here a year no one talks about it um like in Oregon you can only grow for what one season maybe two maybe two, we maybe. only can't grow in the summer and we can grow in the summer with a greenhouse we have all the right temperatures we just get too much sun so you just have to have the shade um so you can technically grow in Florida year round I also think the panic of living in a big city is because deep down as a human being, you know, if your power turns off, how many days till you can not feed your family here. Okay. If the power goes off, not only does every other person have a generator because we live through going without our power two weeks every year. Um, but there's every, you can go into any watering hole and grab a fish. You can grab a turtle. You can grab a rabbit. You can, I mean, there's so much wildlife here that, I think that human panic of not being able to provide doesn't exist because our waterways can feed all the people. If all of the New York all went without power, do you think there's enough fish in the bay to feed them? 
Do you think there's enough, right. if San Francisco goes without power, you think there's enough fish? You think they can all go find fish to feed themselves? I don't think right. they can. In no. Florida, I think there's enough land, enough waterways, and with a very minimal skill set, you could still feed yourself. And I think that's, just as human beings, we know that. And that's got to be anxiety that we're not relating to when we're trying to go to sleep at night. I think that that's true. That and like, you know, and the idea of, like you said, they're legislating. I mean, I, I know we had, who was it? Brian Festa, I think, but he's Connecticut, I believe. But, you know, they're, they're fighting all over to try to get the kids to be able to go to school without the mask. The reason why my kids are still not in school and they're being homeschooled and not online is because of the mask. I won't mask them for school. I mean, I finally broke down. I said all the being like, I won't mask my kids. Well, I finally, like six months in, I had to take them to the fucking grocery store. They were tired of sitting in the house, but I have to mask them. It sickens me to my soul, right? So we have these little kids on the hill that they play with, but how many years can they play with the same two kids? Like we, that's not a life. They can't go to gymnastics. They're not going to go to ballet. They're not going to like sports around here, even outdoor sports. They've got the kid masks. I'm not doing that to my children. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. I came to die on this hill. That's not going to happen. They need to have a normal life. And I know there's some groups here that they've tried to get like, you know, some families of similar thinking, uh, you know, together. It, it tends to be, I think, like younger kids, what I've seen online, but families getting together and like no masks and going on like play dates and picnic dates and stuff. But at the end of the day, if we want to go into a museum or we want to go to school or we want to go to gymnastics or I mean, even the jogging trail by my house, I live in the South Hill, so it's all, you know, uppity bunch of assholes on this side of the city, but they've even got big, like those big, whatever, uh, what do I want to say? Like the, the, an A sign, you know, the ones that are held together top by the chain and they, it opens up at the bottom, like an A. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so on both sides, it says you have to be masked to be on the outdoor running trail outdoors. Fuck that. Across the road from my house. And I'm just like, my kids, what we do, we drive around town and we're, my kids are counting cars. All the people that have the timestamp on their back window that says it's 15 minutes after the person got their vaccine. So all over town, there's all these people with their virtue on their car driving all over. So my kids are counting cars, but yet they haven't been in a classroom. They have, except for taking them to jujitsu once, which my kids don't love jujitsu. So that's not probably where they're going to keep going, mm -hmm. right? Like there's just, there's not. There's not a ton. I want them to have a life. I want them to not only have a life now, I want them to be able to have a life in the future, meaning that they can date, you know, at some point, meaning that they can, I don't know, maybe they, maybe school's going to not be an option if everyone has to be vaccinated by the time that they are in college, but there's trades they can learn. And I hope that they do, because frankly, the whole idea of the schooling system and the way that we just pump people through thinking you have to be doctors or lawyers to be anything good and not letting people actually bloom and blossom in their gifts. That's one of the huge things that schools and society in general has corrupted us away from our children. They've, you know, with the family unit, with it's the one of the creativity. of America is taking the trades out of our schools and taking the yeah. trades out of the kids' hands. They used to yeah. teach kids how to weld, teach girls home ec, teach us ethics, teach us. It's like there used to be a lot of weird stuff that went on in high school that definitely got, um, just in our lifetime, we saw it go away. And so yeah. I having kids go through and seeing what they're learning now you're like what in the good god is this i'm i'm like we're i mean we never well, i think for like one year we let we let them try like one year maybe across a year and maybe another part of a year total we let them try public school but 
I just, I went to public school and I know how shitty it was then. I, one of the main reasons I didn't want my kids in public school was had nothing to do with what was being taught because when I was a mom in my twenties, I had no idea about the brainwashing or the indoctrination. I was a total statist. I had no clue. I was ready to go to war over nine 11. Right. So like, um, but, but I also, um, oh shit, I lost my train of thought. I don't, I don't know where it was either. <laughs> um, anyways, but I, I, uh, oh, the schooling that you would, oh, you didn't, it was never even about what they were, they were teaching them in school. You didn't care about that. In your 20s. I was bullied. Like in high school, I used to go into the bathroom and pull my feet up on the toilet and sit and eat my fucking sandwiches in the bathroom. Like I used to get, and it, what I think because I'm a tender spirit, I've realized more like I, there's a lot of innocence to me, you know, or a lot of naivety or a lot of, you know. I'm maybe a little I feel bit too it. open. I know. And... I think tender spirits, I, I meet them and I think they, um, demons. And I just, because I don't think everyone instinctively is a bully and not every bully comes from a bad upbringing. It's just, right. I think playing Ouija boards and drinking alcohol and doing weird yes. drugs and being around weird people, we open ourselves to de- de- Absolutely. some entities, spirits, and they yes. enter us. And, um, I think that spirit is easy to see and attack innocence. And so when there is those certain few pure souls and you, I just, I see, I can see your face right now and I can see you as a kid, even before I ever saw those pictures. And I just think you do have that innocence that it's like, I mean, I know you're not innocent and life's fucking been shit, but I feel that innocence innocence from you. There is an innocence to me, and I didn't realize it until after the situation I went through that I'm, you know, this, this, you know, love affair. I didn't really realize that about myself. And I, and I really felt some degree of tragedy or bitterness, like, fuck, I lost my innocence. Like, that's, it's powerful. Like, I've been through, I was molested as a child. Like, I've been through some shit, and none of that ever made me feel like this, like hollowed out in my soul, right? But I still feel that innocence. I still know that at the core of who I am, yeah, I've been through a lot and I see a lot and I know a lot and I perceive a lot and all of those things, but there's something about me that has an innocence to it, whatever that may be. And I think that that is the reason why I try to be now hyper aware of energies because I want to be careful with myself. I don't want to be like, it's not like you're just going to beat somebody down and then therefore they're just, now they're just a tough guy. Like I'm not a junkyard dog, right? I mean, I'm not saying that anyone should do that to animals either because they're spiritual beings. So don't get me wrong at all there, but I'm just like, you know, there is, and I think that in people in general, like I have, uh, you know, my daughter who doesn't have quite so much innocence in her personality and I have a little boy that does, I think you always protect everybody as much as you can in the ways and you try to love people in the best way that that they receive love, right? Not just in the best way that I love someone, but in the way they receive it. And those are usually different things. But I think that in society, in life, and when we think about like what they do to children with sex trafficking and the satanic rituals and what they do to, you know, people to get them into high positions in power and all this psyop and all this damaging shit that they're doing, to, what they're doing is they're damaging the inside, right? The parts you don't see. So I think that it is not a small feat and something actually to be honored and upheld when we protect innocence and vulnerability in whatever forms we see that. When we protect the innocent among us, when we protect the vulnerable among us, we help to uphold the higher vibrational energies because vulnerability isn't weakness. 
And that is another lie I think we get told. It's so beautiful. But, it just means you, you're to be vulnerable. You trust past the person. You're trusting the situation and your timing and what you're supposed to do. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's your right. walk and you're trusting that. And that's your right. authenticity. And it's important. And sometimes it's not even important that the other person hears you, but sometimes you just need to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, Cheney, Florida. All right. Yes. I um, will totally, do you have anything? I think you're so fucking magic. I am so glad that you're a Jesus girl and that you shared that. And um, well, thank you for letting me, I, of course, now that we've talked and I'm like, now the whole time this berating myself, like, why did you say that? Why did you say that? So I'll probably have to ask you later to listen to, to this whole thing, but <laughs> that is totally fine. But you know, I, it feels good to talk with somebody who is such a spiritual, energetic person. Like, you know, even when we've talked prior to now, and I probably should just say this to you in text later, and I probably will, but you know, there's been moments where we've just written each other like late at night, you know, or whatever. It's your time frame where you are and mine where I'm, we're doing our shit and we say whatever we say back and forth and we just like connect for a minute. But those are some moments in my life that are going to always stand out as the memorable good ones. You know, like I was standing in the kitchen with a buddy the other day and he had this artichoke bread. It had like these artichoke hearts in it. You know, and I was like bummed out because of everything, you know, things that are going on and stuff that's happening in my life. And I'm like, I just want to talk. Can I come smoke a joint? We're just going to chat, right? We're just good, good friend. And he slices me. He's like, you're going to want a piece of bread. Cause I just got to, I'm like, I haven't been going to the gym. I haven't gone to jujitsu. I'm like letting myself, I've just been going to the ice cream store every day. I'm eating this key lime ice cream. I'm letting myself go. And I fucking like it. I'm not even dating. It's fine. It's fine. Right. So he slices me this artichoke bread and we're standing there and there's like this weird beam of light. Like, I don't say weird. It was like, an, it was odd that this beam of light was coming through his window just as it was. It like split. It was like partially hitting him and partially hitting his fridge. And we're both eating this bread. And I just looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, this is one of, when, when we talk about the good moments in life, this is one of those. This simple, seemingly moment that we can, like if I was 20, I would never have thought about that moment yeah. twice. But now I look at it and I'm like, that was real. Like the simple pleasure of someone who cares for you, offering you a slice of bread and stand there with you and eat it and smile because there's artichoke heart in it. And like you genuinely just, there's no expectation. You just being with somebody. That's how it has been with you. When you and I chat, even though we haven't been able to do the face-to-face, -face, it's real. We can just be and we know that there's a real energy exchange that's happening and I am uplifted by it always I'm grateful for it, it. I'm, Very much so. I'm grateful for you and I um, feel like we're gonna do this in person someday um, like our interview in person but we're gonna hang out around a fire pit before we do an interview in person so I hope that's um, sooner than we actually interview again <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping within the next Okay, all things being equal within the next 30 days, and this is what I need to look into is like quarantine times. If I fly, is there quarantine or do I have to take the COVID no. test? Because I'm not doing that. No. Not, I was thinking about um, coming to maybe see like three areas within the next 30 days. So if I come out 
I want to work it out with you ahead of time because we definitely have to get together if I'm coming to Florida. For sure, for sure. I love 100%. this. All so. right, plug Truezilla and anything that you have to say, and then I'm totally going to let you go. Um, just thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm grateful to you for, you for letting me here. say all of these weird truths, and uh, and I hope I hope it will be a light to somebody. Maybe not today, but maybe it'll be a seed for down the road, and that's all we can do is plant those. So thank you, Cheney. Yeah. Thank you. I love you so much. And, I love you. All right. Awesome. Bye. Bye. So she has been Cheney, and now she's off to smoke a blunt. See you next Tuesday, you fucking cunts. Sometimes I feel like I just carry all that energy with me and I don't like to put it, I don't know. You said you don't feel like I have like that dark whatever, but I- You don't at all. You really okay. don't at all. You do That's not good. have a heavy energy at all. You actually have like, like I would always, like if I just met you on the street, I always am just like, oh, that's like, she knows everything. She's so totally organic. Like she knows everything about every crystal and everything about every spiritual <laughs> thing. She's so woo woo. She probably meditates every day. Like I would just oh have all these assumptions of who you were. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine if people actually looked at me and saw that? That's hilarious. I always feel like that when people look at me, they're like, oh shit, what happened to her? Like, I feel like people can see it on me you know no it's good to know good like you're carrying a whole vibe of like a total spiritual like you got it all totally together like an old soul i love that that's great thank you so much (laughs) all right (laughs)